Edwards, no, it's going to be a keeper for Jackson and an easy pitch and catch to Hayden Hurst. So the tight end Andrews had the first touchdown grab of the day and now the other tight end Hayden Hurst gets in here. Hey now, it is the Sportscaster Season 9, Episode 17. I am the host of this disaster of a podcast, Steve Bennett. How are you doing today? I'm going to avoid talking about football right now because I hate football. Uh, I hate its existence. I hate everything about football, uh, but I will do one last thing uh, about Drew Brees to conclude this program. I am very excited about our guests today, especially the first one. I've been working on this interview for quite a while now. I think I first made touch uh, with the guest sometime around the beginning of August. And uh, he was busy and we worked around some schedules. And finally, on Sunday morning, I spoke to Conrad Thompson, who is basically the king of wrestling podcasts. When I was on Richard Deitch's podcast... Uh, I, Conrad was on as well, um, and he was kind of in the role as the big money earner, uh, and what his what it means to manage podcasts that make money. Uh, we talked a little bit in the interview about how there's certain podcasts with a hundred thousand plus downloads that are serve as businesses to make money, and then everyone else is in it for the love of the game. This is that show, the love of the game, and Conrad's shows are the other one. Uh, but Conrad and I spoke for about an hour and 10 minutes. We covered a bunch of different topics. It's not a wrestling thing, really. So don't be scared away by the fact that he talks about wrestling. We didn't get into, like, the minutia of Hogan and Andre at WrestleMania 3 or something. We didn't do that. Um, it's more about podcasts and business and money and managing talent and all kinds of things like that. Patreon. Um Really interesting stuff. I want to thank Conrad uh, for being on, and we'll talk to him in a minute. Uh, also on the podcast today is my good friend, Adrian Dater. Uh, Adrian is starting, as I mentioned, usually in the plugs, uh, is starting his own website, College Hockey Now, or Colorado Hockey Now, excuse me. Uh, and he's on to talk about that. He went and seen Kiss. We're going to talk to him about that. Um, we jump around, we talk about some different things. Love having Adrian on. He's a good friend that I made because of this podcast. I appreciate his friendship. And I look forward to talking to him after the book club update. And then, like I said, one last thing uh, with Andrew Brees. The Conrad Thompson interview is long. Like I said, it's about 70 minutes. And uh, Dater, we want at least 30. So no reason for me to flap my gums too much here at the at the beginning let's take a break and let's come back with conrad thompson
Our first guest today is from the great state of Alabama, and he is the king of the wrestling podcast space. And it's an honor to have him on the Sportscasters today for the very first time. The warm Sportscasters welcome to Conrad Thompson. What's up, Conrad? How you doing today, buddy? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on. So we have two things in common. Well, I guess our paths have crossed twice. So we were both um, Sports Illustrated Podcast of the Year honorable mentions, right? All I was right. in 2014, and I think you guys were in 16, maybe. You guys went on to win it. I haven't won it, but we were both honorable mentions. And then we were also on the Richard Deitch Sports Media Podcast on the same episode once. Oh, there you go. That's awesome, man. Yeah. like, See, but here's what's funny about that. Like, I pitched this idea to Richard. I'm like, you should do a podcast where it's about podcasts and the guests are tiered. You get really one really successful guy. That was you. Then you get someone like in the middle who's maybe on a bigger network type of thing, something like that. And that was, I think, uh, Emily Kaplan and Greg Wyshynski. And then I think they had someone else, too. And then you get a jabroni who does this for God knows what reason, and that was me. Well, <laughs> hey, man, it's rare air to be on Deitch's show, what a cool guy he is, what great work he does, and anytime you get to uh, have a conversation with him, it's a good day. You know what I was thinking about with, uh, I was thinking about this, and I'm sure there's a great reason why you haven't done it, or maybe something you're thinking of, but did you ever think about housing all these shows you do in one area, and then maybe having some other shows, you know, like a the Conrad Podcast Network type of a thing, or is it just easier to let, you know, the Westwood Ones and the Podcast Ones and the whoever else kind of deal with that kind of a part of it? Stay tuned. Stay tuned. So it is something that you're interested in doing. You stay got, tuned. Stay tuned. <laughs> you have another podcast coming out that we're all staying tuned for. Yes, it's uh, starring Arn Anderson. Um. And uh, you, you post a little teaser about it, and I know it's – I think all you've really said is that there's this podcast. It's with Arn Anderson. It's debuting this month. Can you tell me anything else? Can we get a little scoop? What else can we know about the Arn show? Well, he just got set up with all of his gear this past week. He's not the most tech-savvy dude ever, so I tagged in a friend, Tony Schiavone, who's been in radio for the better part of 30 years. and He's going to scoot up there and, and set off all of his gear, and that's been the plan since before StarCast, but we finally made it happen this past week. We have executed contracts, uh, I guess, two weeks prior to StarCast, so we do have a home. It's going to be with Westwood One. It is going to be a Tuesday release, uh, so that will give me uh, Eric Bischoff on Monday, Arn Anderson on Tuesday, Tony Schiavone on Wednesday, Jim Ross on Thursday, and Bruce Pritchard on Friday. So there will be something five days a week, and you know we're going to talk about what you would imagine we would talk about. There's a myriad of Arn Anderson topics going back from the territory days to his days behind the scenes with WWE most recently, and nobody has a journey quite like him. So the first few episodes will be uh, you know something that I've picked and planned out, maybe the first six, and then after that we'll probably you know just sort of cut it loose and let the fans decide and use some polls and uh, try to get a little momentum. This is going to be an uphill battle to grow the Arn show from my perspective, just because. Arn's never been an active participant in social media. So with everybody else, they had at least some sort of presence that right. could promote the show. And we're starting at absolute zero on this one, but I posted a little tease this week uh, with Arn behind the, the microphone and the rig that we set up and just who's ready and tagged at the Arn show on Twitter. 
and very quickly it had half a million impressions. So somebody somewhere is a big Arn Anderson fan, and they're going to be in for a real treat real soon. Have you done pilots with him? I know. Do you do test shows? I know you did them with Bruce back in the day. Have you done them with all your shows, or will yeah, like? And usually, a test show really consists of we just do a show and then we do it again. Mm-hmm. Um, now that wasn't the case with with Bruce. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing either, so we were just trying <laughs> to figure it all out. And in time, that just became my my new thing. Is we would have a topic and then we would do a show, not a full show, but we would do about half of a full show, and then I would offer some critiques and say, Hey, I want, I need you to do this a little faster. I need you to shorten up this type of answer. I need to blah, blah, blah. Now, when it comes to a guy like Jim Ross, you don't have to do that. Jim's a professional broadcaster. We're doing it forever. But when it was Eric Bischoff, I definitely said, Hey, let's do a little more of this, a little less of that. And, and that seemed to work. And, and we did the same thing with Tony Schiavone because Tony hadn't been in the podcast medium. So he didn't really know, you know, what's what, but Jr. was fresh off of his very successful Ross report. So I didn't need to do that with Arn. I don't know what we've got yet. You know, we're going to go ahead and, and start to tape this coming week for the very first time. And, um, we'll see how that goes. Maybe we'll do another one. Maybe it'll be so good. We'll just air it. But the plan is to, uh, the hopeful plan uh, that we have circled is September 24th, uh, which puts a lot of pressure on me this next week. We'll see if I can deliver, but that's the hope is Tuesday, September 24th. And if I miss it, and I'm proven to be a liar because I didn't make September happen. It'll be October 1st, which is also Tuesday. Here's what's really interesting to me about you starting a show with Arn is the great unknown is how good is his recall going to be, right? Because with Bruce, for example, when you started Bruce's show first, you tapped in on this guy with this incredible recall who um, is really good at, at kind of just answering these questions on command and remembering pretty well. And of course, as it's grown, he's done research to expand his memory from week to week. And then of course, with Tony, you started to do that same model and found out pretty quickly that his recall wasn't quite as good. So you guys pivoted and you do the watch longs and it's a little bit sillier and it's really worked well for that. So do you, as you start the new shows is that maybe you went on to um, Eric was next and then uh, of course, JR and now Arn. Um, do you, do you go in there wondering like, oh, I wonder what the recall is going to be like here. And then kind of having a plan B in the back in case he just doesn't remember anything. No. And I'll tell you why, you know, the difference is not necessarily the recall and I appreciate your, you know, the way you presented that, but the difference is not really the recall. The difference is their ability to tell a story. You know, Bruce Pritchard could tell a story about checking the mail (laughs) and, and that, that's what it becomes is. You know, for instance, let me give you an example. Sure. If I was to say, you know, it's really weird because on this television typing randomly, Owen Hart isn't wearing his boots. Instead, he's wearing Steve Austin's boots. And I've always wondered, why was he wearing the wrong boots? If Bruce didn't remember that Owen didn't have those, his boots or that his boots were lost or whatever, then Bruce would say, you know, Conrad, I don't remember exactly why I didn't have his boots that day, but I'll tell you this, as much as Owen ribbed everybody, it wouldn't surprise me if someone was just ribbing him and had hidden his boots. And especially given the sort of tumultuous relationship he had at times with Steve Austin, if, if somebody in the locker room realized that he had the same size shoe or the, or the same size boot as Austin, and he was going to have to go beg for forgiveness and borrow a boot, that would be a classic Owen Hart rib. 
I remember back in Bill Watts territory when so-and-so did that. Right. So whereas a non storyteller would just say, I don't remember. So Eric Bischoff would just say, I don't remember. I wasn't involved in that. I don't recall. Eric approaches the show as a deposition. Um, Bruce understands it's not me versus you. We're not trying to get an interrogation going here. We're trying to work together to create an entertaining show. And when that, that light bulb sort of clicks for somebody, the the show gets a little easier. And, and Tony Schiavone started our show thinking it was like an interrogation too. He thought it was almost like a shoot interview and it's, it's not, We're, we're trying to entertain you. And yes, there is some information in there. So we'll call it infotainment, but that's always really been the goal of my show is not a documentary style. Uh, piece, but infotainment, you know, I want the silly impressions. I want the silly stories, but I need some real stories too. It needs sadness every now and again. And the something to wrestle phenomenon exists because Bruce has that. And based on every conversation I've ever had with Arn Anderson, so does he, the trouble is what is Arn willing to reveal? I've been fortunate enough to hang out with Marty Lundy, the real man behind Arn Anderson and in a casual social setting. No one can hold a candle to him. He holds court and doesn't even mean to. (laughs) If that comes through on the podcast, if he can push that through his microphone, it will be a huge, huge hit. But he's got to get acclimated and get comfortable and get familiar. So I suspect that it will be a process. Now, how long that process is, you know, is it one episode? Is it one month? Is it one year? We'll see. But there's gold in them, their hills. I just know it. You know, what's interesting is that Bruce had a unique opportunity that none of your other podcasts have had and that being first he had time to without much expectation let the show develop a little bit right like you guys started with montreal screw job and ultimate warrior and um I'm trying to think of some of the real early ones dusty rose i think might have even been the first one and those shows maybe weren't perfect but and, and they were a little shorter uh, but it was able to develop naturally. Where now, for Arn, for example, he's got the expectations of the Conrad Thompson podcast style and all these episodes and all this kind of weighing in on him to begin with. And that seems a little bit more, seems like there's a little bit more, um, I don't know, the pressure I would think, and he might be uh, oblivious to it, which is great. Yeah. He, he is oblivious yeah. to it, you know. But you know but, what I'm uh, saying, right? That, like, if it's not Bruce's 75th show midseason form ready, you're going to get the – you're going to start getting the, the response. It's going to be it's gonna be harder. It's harder for these shows to develop uh, with what you've created, I think, than Bruce, who is in a unique uh, situation of being first. Agree, disagree, anywhere you want to go no, with no, that. No, I don't disagree at all. They, you know, that's one of the – one of the, I really hate even talking like this, but one of the, the quote unquote trappings of success is everyone it, it, for a long time now with something to wrestle has expected every episode to be better than the last one. Like the expectation is, is so unrealistic that every show is going to be the best show ever. And for a long time, you know, that we were hitting that mark because it was so new. Right. But with everything, you, I mean, we can't do 52 shows a year. We've always done more than 52 shows a year because we would slide some bonus shows in there. But you can't do 52 every week was better than the last one. I mean, not just in podcasting, but in television, in sport. Every Alabama game is not the best game I've ever seen. Every 
every Sopranos episode, which by the way was my favorite television series ever. Same. Every week wasn't the best ever. Like they, they kept you in. I, I was committed enough and addicted enough and sold enough that I, it was appointment television. I wasn't going to miss it. But at the end of every week, I didn't always say that that's the best episode ever. Now I did say that a few times, but it wasn't every single week. And they were only tasked with doing that 13 times a year. We're tasked with doing it 52 times a year. So it is a different dynamic. There is a different set of expectations. Um, and Arn is oblivious to all that. Arn doesn't participate in social media. I sent him a screen grab after I posted, you know, the teaser pick of him, uh, behind the mic and it said, who's ready or something like that. And within an hour, I had like 130,000 impressions. So I screen grabbed that and sent it to him and Tony and Arn said, is this good? Right. And so he just didn't have a frame of reference for, yeah, dude, more people saw that tweet than watched impact. That's real good. <laughs> and, and he didn't, he's like, okay, I, I didn't know. And so he's just really oblivious to it. Not because he doesn't care, just because it's not been something he had to think about. So I'm really excited that he's doing it and that he's afforded me the opportunity to be the guy to do it because Arn's had plenty of opportunities in the past. He wrote a book that was sort of kind of in kayfabe. He did a shoot interview with Rob two decades ago that was sort of kind of in kayfabe. And the idea that he's now willing to give us a peek behind the curtain and reveal who he really is, not the stern, gruff, Carrera shade wearing, promo cutting guy. And don't get me wrong, we're going to dust him off for some ads and videos and promotions and things like that. I just want him to be him and tell those famous backstage stories that we've all heard about, like where, you know, he holds up a toilet brush and says, Hey, Luger, I found your toothbrush. You know, that type of stuff is just what the, the, the fans are craving and what they'll respond to. And he maybe just hasn't ever had an opportunity to share it or felt like they cared or they wanted it. And I think he's going to be most surprised when he realizes how much people care, because that was the, really the story with both Bruce and Tony, neither one of those guys thought the fans really cared that anybody, you know, would want to hear what they had to say. And the idea that this is going to hit Arn in a big way, I'm sure it's going to be a fun ride because he deserves it. What are some of the topics you're hearing? Like, what are the top iron things people want? Like, probably the scissors, maybe the promo that started Horseman. Like, what are some of the ones that you're... What are, like, the main events, kind of, that you've kind of been hearing from fans for the Iron Show? Well, I haven't really asked, hey, what do you guys want to hear? Okay. Uh, but I have, I have went ahead and thrown out, you know, what I plan to do. So, you know, at some point... You know, we'll, we'll reveal the whole list, but we do have quite a bit of uh, material for our first um, several shows, like leaving Crockett for the first time for the WWF, which was like September of 88 and yeah. the fall brawl 95 show where he wrestled Ric Flair on pay-per-view, you know, after years and years of them being running buddies and Flair coming back to Nitro in Greenville at, at the end of uh, September of 98 after that big feud with Eric Bischoff and when he left the WWF to go back to WCW, which happened in the fall of 89 and sometime in August of 97, the famous my spot promo that then the horseman would parody. And of course the scissor incident. And I, I want to talk about other stuff too, like Halloween havoc 95, where, you know, they pushed the giant off the top of the arena and, and, uh, famously the Yeti comes down. There's <laughs> lots of fun stuff that he was present for that. Maybe he wasn't necessarily involved in, 
but but he was there for it and he has perspective and uh, there's just so much meat on the bone with R and I don't think I've looked forward to a podcast as much as I'm looking forward to this one. We're jumping all around here, but I think that's okay uh, because when something comes up, I figure I just hit it. You don't have to necessarily name any names, but how many people do you, have you reached out to to do a show? Like I know, I think that you've kind of made this pretty clear that I know you love ECW. I was a huge ECW guy. Buffalo is a huge market. I went to a ton of shows, including a pay-per-view that we got here, which was awesome. Um, and I think you've kind of at least hinted that maybe you've kind of talked to Joey Styles about maybe possibly doing something. How many guys have you like tried to get and didn't? Or is it pretty much like, you know, you went up to these five guys and you got five shows now? Or, you know, how how hard is it to start another show is, I guess, what I'm asking. And how do you, how many people have, how many ideas have you had that just didn't get out of the garage? Just two, you know, I mean, I I guess I should say we always flirted with the idea of doing a podcast with Jeff Jarrett and he was on board and loved the idea. We're just waiting for the right time. And it felt like he had a lot of moving parts at the time and the timing just wasn't right. So we always said, you know, we're going to do it on this day and then he would push it or I would push it. And then of course he signed back with WWE and now he doesn't have any time, but um, I guess you could maybe count that one. Certainly I reached out, but I mean, he agreed. So I mean, I think he's allowed to do it. I mean, I think if I hit him up tomorrow and said, hey, you ready to get started, we could probably find a way to do it. Um, but Ar- Ar- not Arn Anderson. Uh, J- Joey Styles is somebody that I reached out to very early on and and had the idea that, hey, he could be a really good ECW show. And I did the same with Paul Heyman. And I had great conversations with both guys. And Heyman's willing to do it. This is before he was full-time back with WWE. But he just felt like we needed the right deal. And so... We talked about what that would look like, and uh, I got some offers that were close, but not ever exactly to the level where we would have pulled the trigger on it. But uh, he was very receptive to doing a show with me, but just wanted a certain deal structure, and that proved to be difficult to secure. And Joey Styles is just ready to have wrestling in his rearview mirror. But it, Joey has said, hey, man, if I ever do a podcast, I'm only doing it with you. So I think he's a fan of what we do and, and, and gets the format and the gig and and the way it would all work and thinks it would be fun, but he's just ready for wrestling to sort of be a thing of the past. And I've heard that before from other guys. And I think most people know that, you know, that's what Bonnie and and Bruce Richard and a few others have behaved. But I think, you know, this is a disease, man. Eventually (laughs) it gets hold of you again and you can't shake loose of it. So if, and when that happens with Joey, I wouldn't be opposed to another ECW show. And, you know, if you do a show with, 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 with Joey, you could do a little bit of the WWF stuff, but really it would primarily be an ECW show. Whereas with Paul Heyman, you could cover everything, man. The territory, right. days, yeah. the NWA, WCW, and then of course, you know, the incredible stuff with ECW. And now what a run, you know, as a, as a executive and an on-screen character for the WWE. So there's so much meat on the bone with Paul Heyman that it would be much more than just an ECW show. And I don't know that Paul would want it to be just an ECW show. I think Paul is content that ECW was what it was and ready to talk about other stuff. And with Joey, you could really dig in a little more on the ECW stuff, I think. So maybe one day, you know, in the right time, the right place, some of that stuff can still happen. And for what it's worth, I know a lot of people, whenever I say Jeff Jarrett, they're like, Ugh, I hate that guy. I get that. Uh, but nobody has a story like Jeff Jarrett, just the crazy stuff he did as a wrestler 
you know, going on TV with the WWF without a contract and, and dumping on Austin 316. And, you know, this, this comes after he walked out on him, ruining a pay-per-view angle right. and then shows on Nitro and sort of slides himself into being a horseman, even though he's really not like, how in the world does he get all these opportunities? And then when he holds up Vince McMahon for more money to lose to China and then shows up on WCW very quickly, he's champion. And it, it, it's up the ass of Vince McMahon so sideways that he publicly fires him on TV. And I'll never forget that. Enough, yep. then, then he says, well, I guess I'm blackballed from wrestling. I'll just start my own thing. So he starts his own thing and has his first pay-per-view show right here in my hometown. The ring breaks 10 minutes before they go on air. They do a dark match and the ring breaks. And now they're trying to scramble and put it together. And he's going to introduce the world to talent like AJ Styles and, and Loki and so many other great stars. And then very quickly they run out of money and they realize, Hey, we need a halo. And they call a guy from health South, not knowing that Richard Scrooge is about to be one of the world's biggest scandals. I mean, almost an Enron level scandal. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, how in the world does all of this keep happening? And don't get me started on all the craziness with Kurt Angle. And there's just so much meat on the bone with Jeff Jarrett. It would be the most fascinating movie about a wrestler ever. So to be able to tell those stories episodically, I don't think it's a matter of if, I think it's a matter of when, and, and when he decides, you know what, I got to get off this WWE crazy train. I'm working 23 and a half hours a day and he can get on the rocking chair and there's no more mortgages and, you know, no, no more kids to put through school or whatever. And maybe life's goals are a little differently and the pace of life slows down a little bit. Those podcasts are going to be all time hall of fame episodes. Conrad, you're starting podcast number five on the 24th. And I hear you passionately speak about what it would be like to do one with Jeff Jarrett and you know, the Paul Heyman one just seems to be like the right deal away. And Joey styles is maybe like a dream one. Is there a number in your mind of how many of these you could do? Is there a maximum or do you just kind of feel like, man, I'll just make it work. It's just too good not to like what, when you think about these things, like how many can you do? Well, you know, I've never thought about what the most I could do is, I, you know, I, that to me is a function of, you know, getting the right support. So, you know, if I, if I, if I could do less social media, if I could do less research, if I could do, you know, less marketing, there would be an opportunity for me to do more. You know, when we first started doing something to wrestle, I did absolutely everything all by myself. And then in time. I got Dave Silva to start helping me with graphics. And then in time, I got Dave Hancock to start helping me with social. And then in time, I got Jeff Jones to help us start booking venues. And then in time, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So now I've got a guy named Ryan helping with t-shirts and I've got a guy named Dave helping with graphics. And I've got a guy named Chris helping with websites. And so now we've got like a full team and a full staff and most of them are, are, are part timers. But if I were to continue to, to try to grow this, then yes, I'm going to have to, convert some of that part-time to full-time and maybe bring on a few more people because all we're really talking about on some level is, you know, how much can I take off of my plate to, to use the same amount of my work day and, and accomplish more. So if it gets that, if it were just whittled down to, Hey, you're going to do 10, two hour shows a week. That's a lot to do 10. I'm not saying that I, my goal is to do 10. I'm, I'm more than content with stretching for five. But if it were 10 at two hours a week, that's only 20 hours a week. I know that sounds crazy, but 
There's 24 hours in a day and I've got seven days in a week. Let's go. I can figure it out. When you started this, if and you can correct me if I'm wrong here too, but when you started this, kind of the idea was I want to make, I want to have a platform where I can promote my mortgage company, right? Like I want, you were doing different things to get to get the name out there, to get the mortgage company out there. And you said, hey, I can do it this way. And I can get the mortgage company out there, maybe have more impact. Are you getting to a point where this, or, or um, maybe that point has come and gone, where it's not necessarily about the mortgage company. It's now about this being its sole entity and, and the mortgage company being its own thing. And maybe once in a while, like a Venn diagram, they intersect a little bit, but it's not the same impetus that it was before where you were really doing this for the sake of the mortgage company? Yeah, well, I mean, I guess we should back that up. I, I was okay. doing this because I wanted Bruce to be back in wrestling. I wanted Bruce to have a place in wrestling. I wanted Bruce to enjoy wrestling. He felt like the thing he loved the most had turned his back on him, and he no longer feels that way because, well, his office is right down the hall from Vince's. So he's back where he belongs, and that was really you know, one of the biggest things I wanted to do is get his stories out there because I knew he would have fun, and I knew it would be a hit, and I knew he could make some money. And I thought, you know, I'll just channel all the podcast money to him and I'll be our lead advertiser with the mortgage company. And that's how I'll get a return on my time. So that was sort of the original idea. And in time, of course, the shows have grown to where they're a serious income in and of themselves. And you don't have to just try to, uh, you know, angle for a, um, uh, an advertising, uh, piece of business. You could do it a few different ways. And so as the shows have grown, I've created more revenue streams for every show. And as a result, everyone has done better. And yes, at this point, they are sort of their own two separate things. And they just collide occasionally. And, and the biggest place they collide is savewithconrad.com. We just did a website uh, a, a little bit ago, maybe a month ago, two months ago. And um, it's sort of the one-stop shop for anyone who wants to, who listens to the podcast, who wants to save money. And anybody who goes to savewithconrad.com, you know, we'll teach them about mortgages, help them achieve whatever mortgage goal they may have, whether it's buying a house or refinancing or pulling cash out or debt consolidation or remodeling or whatever. But at the same time, all of their correspondence will be sort of wrestling themed. So I've had the guys sign a bunch of eight by tens and we've got some cool swag and giveaways and, you know, stickers and stress balls and, you know, Moscow mule cups and grill and JR mitts and things like that. And whenever you do business with us that way, we're just going to bombard you with this fun kind of on brand and on theme swag. So they do intersect and, you know, everybody in my office knows that I do the podcasts and they're familiar with talking to some of our podcast listeners and they are colliding, but it's not the, the primary function of the podcast. Thank you for that. Um, interesting thing that came to mind when you were saying that was, one of, I think, your most brilliant innovations, which has been duplicated many times, was the idea of, hey, let's not just sell a T-shirt. Let's sell an experience, right? Like, not only will I give you this T-shirt, but Bruce will call you, you know, and then that went on to Tony. And Tony, geez, paid for a wedding with it. Um, as these things have evolved and you guys have been picked off and went back to WWF or whatever, you know, jobs that they've had as their schedules have grown. I think you've had to dial that back a little bit, right? Like they don't have the time that they used to to do all these calls. I think Bruce doesn't do it at all anymore. Um, how have you been able to, like if the original idea was if we're going to make sales, we need to sell an experience. And then now the idea is, well, that it, the way to 
that experience is impossible anymore. Have you been able to keep up with the sales or like how, how has the business changed as it's evolved and people have had less time basically, I guess is what I'm asking. Well, two things there, you know, the, uh, the original idea was we weren't selling any ads and the ones we were selling were through audio boom and, and the audio boom was selling at a very low, uh, a very low CPM. So right. when we did ads, you know, we would get paid on them six months later and it would be pennies. Once we, you know, got to a certain number of downloads in a month, I thought this is BS. We should be making more than this. So I took it upon myself to figure out who the ba- who the major players were, took screen grabs of what our shows were, and sent over, hey, uh, I've been told these are good numbers. Let me know what you think. And basically, it was a, a story and an introduction of who we were, and, and and the screen grabs would tell the truth of, hey, we're not. This isn't our opinion of ourselves that we have a good show. Here's validation that people are listening and, and somebody can monetize this. Will it be you? And I got a couple of offers right away. I mean, within 24 hours of sending the email and one of them was a really strong offer. So we took it. So we got a really big signing bonus and we're making money very fast through advertising. So once upon a time, the only way to really get revenue in was for me to do a mortgage or for Bruce to sell a t-shirt. And I came up with the idea, Hey dude, let's just sell an experience and you know, you've got time, let's do it. And then it, that'll go viral and people will order more. And it worked. Brilliant. Bruce went from being not in the top 100 on, on pro wrestling tees to like a top 10 seller. And this is when the bullet club was at their tippy top height of sales. So, you know, you would see like, okay, it's Steve Austin and it's CM Punk and it's the bullet club and it's Bruce Pritchard. And people were like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> Amazing. And it was from selling the experience. So yeah, as the show has grown, of course, there's all these other revenue streams that, that we get now with, with sponsorships and ads and, and things like that. And it's not as critical that we sell the T-shirts, but it is something that I want to build back up. And once upon a time, I was coming up with T-shirt designs every single week. And so as soon as something was said on the show, I would make a note, oh, that's going to get over. And I would get my graphic guy to start working on it. And very shortly after you know, it was set on the show. It was a t-shirt and we could promote it through our social channels. Well, as I've carved off more and more work for myself, not only in the mortgage business, but with Starcast podcast, I don't have time to do that anymore. So just recently, like in the last two weeks, I've brought on a guy and that's going to be his sole focus. Listen to the shows, create funny t-shirts, promote them on our social channels. So you'll start to see the t-shirts build back up. Uh, I mean, they're still doing well, but we haven't been cranking out as many as often. And, and we're about to. What's your number one seller? Just curious, t-shirt wise. Is there a for one a long that... time? It was I used to be over okay. uh, with Richard? That was I used to be over. We sold on hats and t-shirts, and that was our our fastest seller at least right away. Cool. The sportscasters are here with Conrad Thompson. Uh, he's being really generous with uh, with his time and with his information. Conrad, I want to hit a few more things with you, and then I'll let you plug everything. And then uh, Sunday, right? We got football to watch. Um, let me ask you, we talked a lot about successes, and you've had many in this industry. I'm not so sure that Patreon has been an across-the-board success, though. Um, let me ask you this. Let me ask you about Bruce's first. It's a podcast with 500,000 downloads, roughly, at its peak, um, I think, an episode. There's probably episodes with much more. I don't have the numbers. I'm just basing on what I've heard you say in different interviews and things. 500,000 is a number I've heard a lot. I would think a, a podcast with that many fans would get a much 
much higher amount be willing to do Patreon. And of course, now with Bruce's time, it's less than 200 people um, that are subscribers to it. And I think that there is at least a perception that some promises that were made via Patreon haven't been kept. Um, Ad-free seems to be a very loose term. Early seems to be a loose term. I know I read studying the Patreon, the Patreons last night, some people in the higher tiers saying they feel like all their promises haven't been met. What do you, what, what can you say about Patreon? And maybe I'm wrong. You know, it, it just doesn't feel like it's been the hit that almost everything else you've touched has been. Well, in the case of Tony Schiavone, I would disagree. I think Tony Schiavone That's the most the successful, sure. Yep. He has the highest grossing Patreon in wrestling, as far as I know. Um, in the case of Bruce Pritchard, obviously, you know, he doesn't have the time to do it. So what we're doing right now, Bruce is in the middle of a move. I don't know that everybody knows that, but he's not staying in Texas. He's moving to Connecticut. And in the middle of all this, his wife has had another health scare. Uh, and know. so between... All of that health stuff and Bruce going back, his uh, time and ability to contribute and and deliver on Patreon has dwindled. So it's left Dave Silva and I sort of scrambling to figure out, hey, what can we do and and what will we do? And so there is an opportunity for us to sort of turn the thing around with this move because Bruce's time is going to become much, much different. His free time that he has right now is less zero. Because he's on the road, right. he's in a hotel four or five nights a week. Yeah. With this move, he'll be in he'll be in a hotel one night a week, and in about three weeks, he'll be in a hotel zero nights a week. So it's such a game changer for him to go from I'm in my own bed two nights a week to I'm in my bed almost every night. It is a much much different animal. Uh, so what we're going to do during this move is collect a lot of the old booking sheets and a lot of the old. Uh, information that that he used to keep notes on for decades with WWE. And we're going to get that over to Dave Silva. And Dave Silva is going to start to prepare a lot of that stuff for Patreon. And, uh, of course, the big thing is we've we've still got our big get-together that we need to plan. And we had originally planned that we were going to do that in Texas. But now it looks more and more like we might be doing that either in Connecticut or the outskirts of New York City. So the plan is definitely to reach out to the Patreons because at one point it was the biggest Patreon before Bruce went back and that was in February and then it's just slowly dwindled from there. Uh, and then, you know, we, we want to deliver to those folks everything that they missed when Bruce went back. Uh, and, Including and gonna, the ones who've dropped off or just the ones that... Oh, stayed? no, specifically the ones who dropped off. Okay. Like, that's the only reason, you know, the the reason not to not to sort of quote-unquote, milk more money out of them. We're just going to add them back for free. I want everybody to get what they paid for. If Bruce wasn't able to deliver it because of time, well, let's overwhelm them with value. You know, we came into this thing saying, hey, if you order a T-shirt, we're going to give you an experience. We're going to call and thank you. That's the spirit of what Patreon was supposed to be and has been for Tony Schiavone. Tony Schiavone is over-delivered. Yes. Whereas Bruce Pritchard, you know, he just hasn't had the time. And, and, And really, I don't think people understand the the crazy schedule that WWE has. Like uh, just two days ago, there was a a conference call, a creative meeting at 11 PM and that went until three 30 in the morning and everyone was at the office the next day at nine. Like it's a pace that is so incredible that you can't really keep up uh, and, and to do that long distance and have to travel five flights a week, blah, blah, blah. It's a lot. 
And that's about to change for Bruce a little bit. And, and every conversation we have is about, or every time we speak, there is some mention of, Hey, when can we do the get together? Should we do the get together at this time or that time? And uh, blah, 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 blah. So the Patreon sort of make good is most important to us more so than we want to continue to grow it as a, a revenue initiative moving forward. We need to make sure everybody got what they paid for. And that has not been the case with Bruce, but that hasn't been the case with the other shows. Yeah. I, I don't know if you know slate, uh, slate.com. They have like hang up and listen. They have like a few pretty popular podcasts and I don't know where this stands, but they tried to start like their own version of Patreon and they came to me, um, and asked me to, to be one of the pilot podcasts. And my guess is they came to me because it's a smaller show. So they would be able to kind of test their infrastructure on a smaller level before, say, going to someone like a Conrad or someone that would bring the huge numbers in. Um, so I'm not trying to brag about it or anything, but the reason I didn't do it is just because I have my own house struggles. Um, I have Crohn's disease. I, you know, I've had two surgeries just this year, you know, and I just felt like, really nervous about taking someone's money and just being really worried that I wouldn't be able to deliver. And I'm sure someone who's been in business as long as you have, you probably have those same worries and fears that something like that can really ruin a reputation and kind of take a podcast down. Right. Well, I don't think it's hurt something to wrestle. I mean, you know, the, the big thing for us is we want to make sure people got what they paid for and they're going to, uh, Nobody could have predicted when we started Patreon, much less when we started the show, that Bruce would be back with WWE and be Vince's right-hand man and be on this crazy schedule he's on now. You know, there, was, there wasn't some sort of nefarious, uh, we're going to pull the wool over these marks and no, get over. No, no. I'm not insinuating the, that. I hope I'm not. No, I know you're yeah. not. I'm just saying, you know, that going into this, nobody ever imagined this would be where we are. But, you know, here we are. So we're going to make the best of it and... What's most important to me is is delivering on what we said we would do, and in fact, over-delivering it. Because at this point, I'm sure some Patreons who have supported us from the very beginning have lost a lot of faith and think, oh man, this just isn't going to be what we hoped it could be. But that's where we want to surprise them, and we want to give them you know, free passage back in and say, no, here's everything you were hoping for and a little more. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. I, I was a 999 guy. I was a guy who back in the day when you guys were, Patreon wasn't even the word you were saying like, would you pay for an extra episode? You know, I was like, hell yeah, you know? And, um, but just for me, it, it was rarely ad free and rarely early, you know? So it just got harder for me to justify. But, um, one last thing on Patreon and, and we'll move on. We'll do one more and then I'll let you go. Um, it's interesting cause you were talking about how initially you thought it was really successful. I, I think the peak was around 400 to 500. You didn't think you, you were cool with that. Like you, a 500,000 that felt like a good, rate to you or I Bro, you're looking at it wrong patreon's not about patreon's about numbers but the wrong you're looking at the wrong number i'm looking at revenue okay and and you know we we priced our patreon much differently than everybody else priced their patreon and as a result it was like i if i could have 500 people who pay a dollar or i could have 100 people who pay a hundred dollars my country math says uh we don't need 500 right i so get that the way we positioned it from the beginning was never about how many people can we get. It was about what, what amount of revenue needs to come in to make this worth our while. So it was always based on revenue, not based on numbers, not, not based on volume. Fair enough. Okay. Let's move on. Uh, the sportscasters are here. 
with Conrad Thompson in just a few minutes. He's been really more. Uh, he's been really honest and forthcoming. Real quickly, I know you're a huge Howard guy. Top guest of all time. You have one. I do not. Favorite whackbacker? Oh man, that's hard to say. I don't know. I, I, I've never really thought about them in terms of favorite. You know, when it's funny, it's funny. You know, a little <laughs> bit of Wendy's funny. A little bit of high pitch is funny. I don't know that it's like, oh man, I wish there was more Beetlejuice. Like that's never really crossed my mind. But I guess if I had to pick one, yeah, it's probably Beetlejuice. Artie or Jackie? Artie all day. Yeah, Artie's the best. Did you see that picture of him the other day? He looks fantastic. I did. He looks good, man. Yeah. I'm glad he's back. You know that. I don't know that I'll ever get used to the new nose. He's <laughs> he's got to get that fixed, right? I mean, come on. <laughs> Hopefully, he's just waiting for the right time. Because I did read that you can fix that with surgery. I hope for him. Well, of course you can. You know, I mean, <laughs> but but the idea of, of snorting glass, right. is not something um, not something I have a lot of knowledge about. No, neither do I. Um, where do you see? You had a really interesting article come out, or I think it was something you said in a podcast that spread into an article about the podcast bubble and wrestling kind of bursting. And you made some really good points, I thought, about how how the growth has stunted a little bit, you know, how there was a time where, hey, you want to do a wrestling podcast? Come here, we'll do it. You know, and, and like you, you kind of said, the bubble burst. Where do you project podcast as we go three, five, ten years out? Like, you're a smart dude. You're super smart, especially when it comes to the business side of this, which is something I stink at. Where do you see the the game going and, and evolving? What, what what do you see when you look out three, five, ten years out there? Well, two things. Um, specifically, what I was talking about is selling ads through agencies. And most wrestling podcasts or DIY podcasts who don't have contracts or representation or agents or deal with ad agencies. They're just super fans who are talking about their favorite wrestling content and sharing ideas and having fun. And occasionally those guys will start a Patreon or they'll sell a t-shirt on pro wrestling tees, or maybe they'll sell an ad directly by sending an email to so-and-so at gmail.com. Those podcasts will flourish and continue to be plentiful and they're going absolutely nowhere. But the podcasts who the podcast ones of the world where they're going to have every wrestling show under the sun and they're going to go sell every advertiser under the sun at a, at a $35 CPM that is gone and it ain't coming back. And that's what I was trying to explain that maybe right. some folks misinterpreted their own way, but there are, this is right now already divided into people who do wrestling podcasts for the love of the game or people who do podcasts and do really, really big numbers. So let's be clear. Really big numbers is a hundred thousand downloads. If you don't have a hundred thousand unique weekly downloads every single week, you are not a major podcast. That's going to hurt some feelings, but that is what the ad agencies look for. If you don't have a hundred thousand, they're not interested in advertising. If you have a hundred thousand, now I can have a real conversation. That's not my benchmark. That's the benchmark that Stone Cold Steve Austin knows about, that Chris Jericho knows about, that Jim Ross knows about, that Bruce Pritchard knows about. Everyone at that level has a conversation at some point where they uh, we're told, hey, when you get to 100,000, that's when people start paying attention. So that's the benchmark. And if you're over it, you're going to do okay, and you're going to make real money. And if you're under it, you're not. That's the end. Uh, now, will that continue? Yes. Here's the deviation that's going to come next, in my opinion. 
there's going to be more video. There's been less video so far. It's been mostly audio. Wrestling is going to slide more and more towards video, and it will become a more immersive ex- experience. I don't know who wants to watch a podcast. I'm not suggesting that anyone does, but I am saying Joe Rogan has showed everybody the footprint is have a podcast, but also film it and chop it up and put it on YouTube and everywhere else. And some of these folks are going to start harnessing it. Maybe it's Twitch. Maybe it's Facebook watch. Maybe it's YouTube. I don't know where it's going to wind up. Right. I just know yeah. that there is going to be a big push for wrestling podcasts to have video as a component and you know, the success of something else to wrestle with on the WWE network proves that that is a viable concept. I mean, it was consistently in the top 10 most watched things on the network when it was there and it was competing with much, much, much better content, uh, instead of, instead of just two talking heads talking about it, but for whatever reason, people gravitated to it just like they do Joe Rogan or, or anything else. So I think video will be the next frontier. And, um, I think that people will figure out a way to monetize that on a whole new, on a whole new level. Was there a part two or did you do both? Cause you said two things. Well, the two things was about what's happening. Oh, okay. Right. right. The, okay. Gotcha. Like, yep. You know, no, the, I uh, the, you. the idea is, you know, some of these podcasts gross a million dollars a year in ad revenue before you chop it up. That's, that's not normal. I mean, that's, that's a hugely successful pot, but there are wrestling podcasts that do that. And a lot of shows don't, and don't even get close. And so there's always going to be these two, like, a, a, a it really is a, a crossbar. Either you clear it or you don't. And if you don't, nothing's going to change for you, man. Just keep going and having fun. But if you, if you're over that hundred thousand download threshold, you know, you, things are still moving very quickly with the way CPMs are doing and who's interested and who's not specifically you saw every, not everyone, a lot of folks left podcast one and went to Westwood one, right? If you've been paying attention yep. slowly, but surely some of those shows have now left Westwood one, where are they going? I'm suggesting they're going out of business. There's nowhere else for them to go. If they're, if they were in it originally for the money and not for the love of the game, if they're in it for the love of the game and they just enjoy the media, they just enjoy podcasting, then they'll be around forever. Like Raven, for instance, is a creative type. Raven has a comedian stand-up or a stand-up comedian co-host um, that some people maybe remember from back in WCW. I don't know what his numbers were or are, but I know that no matter what, he's probably having so much fun doing it, he's going to continue. But Lance Storm, I think he's done with podcasting now. I think Don Callis is done with podcasting now, and it's based on they were at West, they were at Podcast One. Maybe they flirted with the idea of going to Westwood One. But once the advertising agency opportunities dried up, they're out. And, and, and you'll see more and more of that, whether it's J.J. Dillon or it's Medusa or it's Marlena or it's Dutch Mantel or whoever, all these podcasts that were that are no more, that's why they're no more. There's no revenue there, so they dried up. This interview right here is a good example of the two, <laughs> the two things you're talking about. I'm the one, you're the other. Uh, also, I, I'm wondering, I, I remember early, the first question, right, it was – Stay tuned. I wonder if there's going to be like a Conrad one as a place for all you say there's nowhere for these to go. I'm just thinking and listening that maybe Conrad one will be the place. Um, well, well, hypothetically, let's talk about that for a okay. minute. Hypothetically, yeah. mm-hmm. if we if we all agree that in what advertisers are looking for is tonnage, they want as many eyeballs, they want as many ear holes, they want as many butts and seats as they can. Then if you've got 
a 25,000 download show. Maybe you've got four of those. Well, together we hit our hundred thousand threshold, but individually we can't get anybody to even have a conversation with us because we only have 25,000. But what if you slide the Sean Mooney's in there and the keeping one hundreds in there and the, uh, Ravens, uh, Raven effect. And if you package those up and now we're over the hundred thousand together, now it's a viable product that we can go package up and sell to the ad agencies to drag some money in. Now we'll one show get paid like they did a hundred thousand downloads and they only did 25. No, but you would at least get credit for your 25 and be paid accordingly. Whereas right now you can't even sell 25 on its own. Right. You have that's to with zero. So, so you could get 25% of a hundred or you could get zero of your 25. I will take 25% of a hundred all day long. So I am behind the scenes working on trying to figure out a way to create a little bit of a conglomerate that would help some smaller shows create revenue and participate in the level. They haven't previously had an opportunity, but that's not the narrative. The narrative is, oh, Conrad said you can't make money in podcasting anymore. Nope. Ask some of the guys who had a podcast two years ago who don't now why they don't have a podcast. And the answer will be money. I happen to be a business person first and a podcaster second. So I see some of these opportunities a little differently than other people because I didn't just start doing it for the love of the game. I did it for my buddy and to sell mortgages. And then from there, it's evolved into other things. Do I enjoy podcasting? Absolutely. I'm not getting paid to be on this show. I enjoyed this medium. This is fun. I like these conversations. But at the same time, I understand that if you want to have a partner, a real name, a co-host, real effort, real time, there has to be a payoff for that. Like I have this expression. If you want me to do it, tie some money to it. That's easy. To, if, if it's just, Hey, Mr. Old time wrestler, want to do a podcast. If he has to change his life and alter his schedule or wake up early or go home late or whatever, in order to do this, eventually he's going to say, well, man, if I'm not making money for this, what am I doing this for? We got to tap into that motivation and there has to be an expectation. And if I'm paying you, then I expect it to be good. But if I'm not paying you, then I have no expectation. And so I, those shows just slowly, but surely circle the drain. I don't want that to be the case. I want to find a way to sort of let's all work together and make some money together and keep these shows sustainable. That's the goal. Conrad, I started this show in 2011 and you know what? I've read a couple things. One, I think there's like 700,000 podcasts now. And I think that if you can get 5,000 downloads a week, you're in the top 10% of podcasts. Um, and I think for me, you know, I'm not a huge podcast, but I also kind of look at it like magazines back in the day, right? There was Sports Illustrated, but then there was also like a magazine called that covered sports media. They were trade magazines, right? And I think that this podcast is a bit of a trade podcast. Most of my listeners are in sports media. Um, and that's why, you know, that's why I get attention from Richard Deitch and get named one of the best, you know, because he's listening that that's where my audience is and that's a niche, but I've been okay with that. And I've also, you know, my motivation for doing this is a little different. It was, I got Crohn's disease. It got really bad. It cost me my career. I was going to be home for a while. What can I do? You know, what can I do to be creative and to, you know, not feel useless as a human being? So it was a little different for me, but, um, yeah, very interesting. Uh, the sports guests have been here with Conrad Thompson. He's been very generous with his time. Uh, we spent a lot of time kind of working to get this together, and I appreciate his patience with that. Conrad, we're probably not going to get to get real deep into StarCast or really touch on it at all, um, but you just had a huge success with CM Punk. I know you're doing a StarCast 4 in Baltimore. Um, is there pressure to top it? 
Do you feel like there's anywhere? I was reading the comments from you going into three where you were saying, like, I don't know where else to go. I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to be creative. I'm trying to think. This idea is maybe peaked. It needs a break. And here you are doing four. Do you have something in mind for four? I got a call. First of all, StarCast 3 was the easiest one I've ever done by far. You know, one is the worst weekend of my life. You know, I learned so much about what to do and what not to do. But you don't know until what you don't know until you try it. And so we tried it. And we had a whole set of problems that I thought we solved for, for two. And then when we did two, I discovered that, oh, with these things, turns out you discover two sets of problems. So for three, I spent the entire weekend sort of walking around like, hey, um, what's happening? Why is everything going so smoothly? Why is every going, everything going so well? Why, why are there no? And, and what I learned was the power of no. I had to say no to about 40 different wrestlers. I had to say no to more than two dozen vendors. <laughs> Just because I realized I didn't have the space and my biggest complaint, my biggest, you know, challenge that I had at the first one was just making all the logistics work with the space. Well, I figured that out and this one was so, so easy and such a breeze. And then I had a conversation with, uh, someone who asked me to do the third, uh, a fourth one in Baltimore. And I had no intention of doing that. Even as I flew to Chicago, like Baltimore wasn't on my radar at all. I knew they were announcing full gear and blah, 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 but. It wasn't, I had never even scattered space. It wasn't on my radar. And then, you know, could you please, would you might consider blah, blah, blah. And three was so easy. I thought, okay, why not? So we agreed to do it. And, and then in the room, in the production office, I started to sort of freestyle with, uh, Chris McDonald and Dave Silva and some of the guys from GoPro wrestling. Hey, what about this? Hey, what about that? And we came up with a few really good ideas. So I'm waiting to announce some of those. I don't think there's going to be a way to top CM Punk. You know, we, we tried to swing for the fences with the first one and make it the Woodstock wrestling. And then for the second one, I, I had the roast in my back pocket. And of course that didn't happen because Rick was in the hospital. And I thought I had the undertaker when I signed the contract and paid a deposit. <laughs> of course, we WWE pulled him. So I needed something that I knew WWE couldn't pull. And, uh, that was CM Punk and nobody thought that was possible. Most of all me, but somehow, some way we made it happen. And I do have something pretty fun up my sleeve for Starcast four that I can't reveal yet. But when I first just freestyled in the production office, everyone turned and looked at me and said, do you think he would do it? And I said, well, I mean, CM I got Punk him to did. <laughs> and, Z. Yeah. and, and one of the guys held his arm up and all of his arm hair was up. And he says, I'm the most jaded wrestling fan ever, but I'm fucking in. And he showed me that he had goosebumps. I was like, okay, that's a good idea. <laughs> so I made the pitch and, um, I was, uh, not met with as much resistance as I thought. And then a week later I followed up with another bit of a pitch and it was, let's talk this week. And I'm hopeful that we'll get to announce that in the next week or so. And I think when we do, if, and when we do, there'll be a lot of fans who thought, oh, I didn't think that was possible. I can't miss this. And that is what gets me excited as a wrestling fan. Now, not necessarily seeing the big surprises on TV, but thinking of one that you can deliver and people get really excited about. Well, Conrad Thompson is the man. He's at Hey, Hey, at Hey, Hey, help me out here. What is it? Hey, hey, Conrad. Hey, it's Conrad. Hey, it's Conrad. There you go. On Twitter. I start all of my podcasts with, hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Insert Show here. And I've done my radio uh, spots for my mortgage company that way for more than 10 years. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson. So my Twitter handle is, hey, hey, it's Conrad. My Instagram handle is, hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson. 
Mondays, he's got 83 weeks with Eric Bischoff. Pretty soon, Tuesdays, we're going to have Aaron Anderson. We just learned it starts the 24th, maybe the 1st. Uh, Wednesday, Tony Schiavone comes in, does a different kind of a show, which I enjoy. Schiavone's kind of like the Bob Saget of wrestling. If, 100%. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Thursday is the new JR podcast, and, and Friday is the um, Something to Wrestle, the classic. Real quick question about JR. As AEW gets going here and starts doing weekly television, is a trick to this show going to be balancing how much of AEW you get into? Because Jim does seem pretty anxious to talk about it versus how much do you stay with the classic retro, let's go back to, you know, Clash of the Champions 12. Like, how will you bet? Is that something you, you, you're going to have to see how it works out, balancing those two things? Yeah, I mean, I, there's going to be AEW opportunities that aren't there right now. You know, it would be crazy to think there's never going to be an AEW podcast or there's never going to be an AEW YouTube or something like that where there might be an outlet for that. And behind the scenes, we're working to secure all of the old radio shows that uh, that Jim did in Atlanta for years and years. Of course, famously, he did all the WCW stuff, but then he jumped ship and called right. it. By nine, w- right? Vince was on in WrestleMania 9? I'm sorry. Right. Yeah. So we're getting all that together, and when we do, that will probably be a part of the Patreon that we'll inevitably do for him and i think there would be a lot of aew content on that as well my goal is is not to talk about aew on the show i want to stick to the old stuff but he is anxious to talk about it and it is his platform so if he wants to talk about it who the hell am i to say i don't want to but uh right now while it's um it's all sort of new and fresh there is a lot of interest not only on his part but from everybody else about what did jr think of this and what did jr think of that so those sort of things we're going to um, evolve, uh, of course, because with weekly TV, I think it becomes like right now people live and die and sort of hang their hat on everything AEW does because they only run shows, you know, what, once every two months, once every three months, once every four months, whatever it is. Right. But that's about to change where it's every single week. So uh, part of that is going to mean because his schedule is about to get a lot busier too, we're going to have to tape a lot of these shows ahead of time and put some in the can. So, we probably won't just naturally be able to speak as intelligently about something that happened last week on AEW TV because we taped the show two weeks ago. Right. So a function of, of, of him getting busier means that the show in that regard is definitely going to change. And my goal is to move away and, and minimize the AEW conversation and talk as much as possible. We're not going to get to WWE starting podcast, but just real quickly, you think there'll be a success there? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, their their reason for getting into the podcast game, I haven't talked to anybody about this, but like they don't have to have outside income. They don't have to have advertisers. They don't have to have sponsorship. They're their own. It's another way for them to continue their storylines and sell their stuff. So, you know, their podcast can run a little special on the shop with use our code and you can say blah, blah, blah. And, you know, our podcast has this new exclusive figure, this new exclusive t-shirt. Right. I can buy tickets to the Royal Rumble access before anybody else. Just use this code, go to this link. Well, they've got all these different things they can sort of sell and they can have added value for the people who are advertising with them on air. And so I think it's a really, really wise thing for them to say, you know what, let's, let's give advertising because forever and ever we've all heard the narrative. Oh, it's really hard to get people to buy into advertising with wrestling and they just don't see the value. I'm talking about from a television standpoint. Well, if you were to say, hey, Colgate, if you guys come on with us on Fox, 
not only will we give you these great sponsorships and these sponsored elements, and we'll throw those in for free if you just buy ads with us. In addition to that, we'll put you on our, our, our social media platform that has all of this, and our podcast platform will do long-form reads for you that look like this. So I just think that when you really look at everything they're trying to accomplish, they don't have to go out and seek new sponsorship. They can use podcasts as added value for their to grow their television advertising, which is smart, but at the same time, just vertically integrate their sales internally. We're going to sell more action figures. We're going to sell more live tickets. We're going to sell more network subscriptions. I think it's smart for them, and I don't think they're going to have the approach that everybody who doesn't have all those other business tentacles is going to have. For it to be a success, they just got to sell more of their own stuff. I think it's a home run. Anything else you want to promote? No, I appreciate the support, the opportunity to come on. Hope everybody will come see uh, AEW's Full Gear, and while you're in town, come check out StarCast 4. Uh, This is going to be uh, a different type of StarCast, and it will definitely be uh, something people are talking about. Check it out, StarCast.com. There's two R's in StarCast, and right now I think you can still go pick up StarCast 3 on Fight, and you can see StarCast 1 and 2 included. So it's like 70 hours worth of content for one low price at StarCastOnFight.com. Conrad, I have to, if you do start a network, two shows I got to get on your radar. And this is just me saying it as a podcast fan. No connection necessarily to these. Greetings from Allentown. It's a one-man show. This dude watches episodic TV from all the territories, WWF, and he just riffs on it. It's amazing. They're at GF Allentown Pod. I'd love for you to check that one out. And Place to Be Nation, their flagship show. They've done over 500 they're awesome, too. So those should be on your radar. And then the very last thing, let me get you out of here on this. The very last thing. You did something else to wrestle on the WWE Network. Let's say you look down at your phone one day, and you have a call from the 203 area code. And you answer, and it's Vince McMahon. And he says, Conrad, pal, I decided I want to do three podcasts with you, and you can choose the topics. What three would you pick? Wow. Uh, that's great. Well, I mean, one of them would definitely, I mean, it would have to be the Montreal Screwjob, all the Bret Hart stuff, the Bret Hart saga from October of 96 to November of 97. That's definitely on the list. Um, steroid trial, maybe, maybe, I don't know. I don't know. See, there's so much legal stuff involved in that. True. Um, maybe the first WrestleMania. Okay, that's two. You got one more. Hmm. I don't know, man. I got like 70 ideas in my head, but I can't think of one that I think is better than the other to throw out there. Right, right. right. You know, you could do the sale of WCW or you could do, like you said, the steroid trial or Hulk Hulkamania. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. There's so, so many. I don't know, man. P- picking three topics to talk about with Vince—that might be the best podcast question I've had. A- I've had to answer. So, I, if I if I had to if I had to guess, I guess it would probably be. Um, yeah, maybe it would be going public. Okay, like, interesting. You know that took, business that took Vince Yeah, from millionaire to billionaire, and he had to give up a lot of control. And you know, there's so many. You know, I hate to say it like this, but. There's so much bullshit in wrestling where everybody just sort of there's some, I mean, the, the entire premise behind it is we're trying to convince people that what we're doing is, is real. That was the thing back in the day. And of course that's not the case now, but 
everything was so clandestine in wrestling and, and, and nothing was ever really truly transparent and being a publicly traded company means all of a sudden you've got a lot more transparency than ever before. That had to be something that crossed his mind or he was a little nervous about. I think going public would be a fascinating conversation. Man, I hope it happens. I can only imagine you and Vince. So, Vince, was what's the screwdriver work? Well, Conrad, pal, I've never told anyone this, but yes, it was a work. And then Conrad dies. Rest in peace. Uh, but it was a great run. Um, it would be, I mean, <laughs> podcast gold. <laughs> Listen, I, I really do appreciate this. You didn't have to do it. You certainly didn't have to do an hour. Thank you very much. Uh, best of luck at StarCast 4. I think you can tell from the interview I am a fan. I'll continue to be one. I'm excited for the Arn show. Um, Thank you. That's all I can say is thank you. Hey, man. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate you uh, being patient with me. I know we have a scheduling situation. Ah, that's no big deal. This is a good chat, and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, doing it another time. Now, don't get mad if the Sooners whoop that ass on uh, Bama again this year like they did in the Sugar Bowl in 2014. Are are you somehow insinuating that a quarterback that we sat and, and, and wrote his walking papers for it. somehow going to come back and beat Alabama. Do you see how he's playing? Yeah, yeah, uh, but he's playing against no competition. You see, if you go back and you look, RG3 looked like a stud in that piece of shit division that he was playing in, and then he <laughs> went to the NFL, and now he's like selling Geico somewhere. He, he, uh, Jalen Hurts is the man when it comes to character and things like that, but when it comes to Tua, he's second best no matter what you tell yourself. You know how bad um, – he's so bad. I'm a huge Sooners fan. I can barely remember his name, Trevor Knight. Trevor Knight beat the Bama in a, in a, in a bowl game. I'm, I'm yeah. saying all this trying to hope you forget that you killed us last year. <laughs> it's like a, it's a thin tightrope to walk. Oh, no. Look, here's the deal. <laughs> Jalen Hurts is the most salt of the earth. Like Good kid. Yeah. Bama, lose um, – in a championship run, playoffs, national title game, whatever, I hope it's Jalen that beats us. Like, right. I'm, I'm such a fan of him as a person and a human being. I'm never going to pull against him. But he's playing, I mean, in a division where everyone looks like a superstar. Well, at the court. He, to be fair, he hasn't gotten to conference play yet. And uh, Baker Mayfield and, you know, Kyler Murray were the last two quarterbacks in his spot, and they were Kaiser Trophy winners and number one picks in the NFL. So, I mean, I'm not arguing that, yeah. but RG3 was in that same division, and, and look how that turned out. That's my point. There's a lot of hype, and, and we don't know really what Kyler Murray's going to be yet. We don't know really what Baker Mayfield's going to be. We have a sense. We have an idea. Uh, but, you know. It is I, a possibility. Not, it is a possibility that Lincoln Riley is a true star there. That, that is a possibility. You know, he might be the star. We'll see. I'm um, really excited about the season. I think it's going to come down to. Uh, how good is this yeah. Bama team? Is this like a top Bama team? Is it a mid Bama team? Like the best offense we've ever had. It's okay. not a top. It's not a top five defense. Might not be a top ten defense. It's very uncharacteristic. I was watching the right. game this weekend, and you know Alabama getting less than a hundred rushing yards. It's like, wait a minute, who is this team? But they had nearly five hundred passing. You know, so you know career highs for completions and touchdowns and yards for Tua. I don't see that slowing down. It's weird that we're so loaded. I think Judy is a top five pick. Yes, and and he's he's one of many options. You know the the play of the year so far to me uh, was our running back coming out of the backfield, catching a little slant route, and then shaking a guy off, 
and then literally hurtling another guy and then shaking another guy off. It was the play. It was the game of the or play of the game yesterday, but certainly of the season for Alabama. Just the idea that we're so strong offensively is not what, what I'm used to. I'm used to down and dirty. Okay, it's first down. We're going to hand the ball off to the left. Well, it's second down. What are we going to do now? Right. Hand the ball to the right. Well, yep. let's switch it up. What are we going to do on third down? Hand it back off to the left. Right. Let's now, give it to Ingram. Let's give it to Henry. Let's give it to, right, yeah, that, That's Jacobs. what's been the hallmark of Nick Saban's championship run, controlling the clock, keeping the ball on the ground, run, 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 and then stopping them on defense. And when they let South Carolina move the football on them yesterday, and South Carolina is not a good team. So if there is a weak point in Alabama's team this year, it's defense. So if Tua has an off game and throws not one but two interceptions, Alabama could be in trouble because you'll keep that defense, which is already not the best defense we've ever had out there, on the field a little longer, and that'll give more opportunity to that offense to exploit just you know people getting tired. And even though we are loaded on defense, and I'm not saying we don't have a good defense, it's just not as good as it was in the past. So when we get into the deep water late in the season, it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. But if somebody's going to take us down, I hope it's Jalen. I don't want it to be Clemson. I'll tell you that. Yeah, I've had it with them. I've had yeah, it with I'm them. done. Yeah. Clemson. And Dabo's a, a Bama boy. I'm all yeah. about it. And I, one day when Nick is done, maybe we get give Dabo a look. I think that'd be great. But I want nothing to do with Clemson, Alabama 3. You know, it's interesting, Connor. I've been a Saints fan for over 30 years. That's a big part of my identity. People know me. I'm a Saints fan. I'm a Pearl Jam guy. Like that's how people know me. And you're like you're a Bama guy, right? Our yeah. sports lives changed by Nick Saban making a mistake and picking Cole Pepper over Breeze, right? Breeze got to come to me and make all my dreams as a sports fan come true. And uh, Saban went to Bama and built a dynasty unlike any other for you. So roll tight on that. Roll tight on that. All right, Conrad. Thanks, man. Could've used a few pounds Tight pants, points, hollering out She was a black-haired beauty with big dark eyes And points all her own, sudden way up high Way up firm and high Out past the cornfields where the woods got heavy Out in the back seat of my 60 Chevy All right, I want to thank Conrad Thompson for being on the podcast today. That was fun. Hope you liked that. All right, real quick book club update. Uh, First things first, Billion Dollar Fantasy, the high-stakes game between FanDuel and DraftKings that upended sports in America by Albert Chen. Albert and I are going to speak on September 23rd. Uh, This book is widely available now, bookstores and online. Uh, So check that out if you like. Again, it's Billion Dollar Fantasy, the high-stakes game between FanDuel and DraftKings that upended sports in America. Uh, The other book this month is all of a sudden on the fence. Uh, It's called No Excuses, The Making of a Head Coach by Bob Stoops, and uh, it's with our friend Gene Wojciechowski, who, of course, authored The Last Great Game, the book about Duke in Kentucky, and Christian Leitner's Big Shot. 
I don't know what's going on with this book. They won't send me one. I spoke to them. Um, I emailed August 8th, uh, got heard back from them on the 14th. Uh, hey, Steve, forgive the delay. Yes, I have two copies off to you ASAP. Let me know if you have any other questions. All the best. I wrote to him on the 4th saying, I still haven't got the books. Thank you, though. Uh, let me know if you're still doing this. And on the 6th, he said, it was my mistake, Steve. I have his setup now. Expect it soon. All the best, Adam. And here we are on the 17th, and I have still not received the book. So I don't know what's up with Stoops' book. Uh, but I do know that the billion-dollar fantasy and the high-stakes game between FanDuel and DraftKings that upended sports in America is rolling on, and I'm going to speak to Albert next week. All right, let's take a break. We're going to come back with our good friend, Adrian Dater. Our next guest today, sportscasters royalty out there in Denver, Colorado, covering the avalanche, our good friend, Adrian Dater. What's up, AD? How you doing, brother? Hey, Steve. Good to talk to you, man. I'm doing all right. So War Machine just played, brought you into Kiss. How big of a disgrace was that show a couple weeks ago that you went to? (laughs) Yeah, you know, I got to tell you, it wasn't the greatest show, but, uh, uh, you know, like a lot of KISS fans say this, you know, we don't know why we always give our money to KISS, but we just feel like we have to. So I think there's always just, uh, you know, when KISS is in town, you got to pay your tithe to KISS. Um, you know, they've been on a tour for a long time now. You know, it shows definitely in some of their, uh, you know, energy i think at times but uh look they're just, they're still kiss i mean uh, i didn't i don't grade too hard on a curve really though i mean the guy gene simmons i think just turned 70 i mean you know all these rockers now are getting to be 70 and, and keeling off on us i mean look right. Two in uh, a week. eddie money just yeah. died yeah. rachel Kasich just died i mean it's a tough week for us old rock fans here so just to see them on stage running around, somewhat running around anyway, was, but what was still per- good enough for me. What percentage of the singing was obviously lip syncing? You know, everybody says that. I can't tell if they're lip syncing or not. I really oh, you, can't. You're not a guy I, who can I don't pick know, it I know out. Eddie Trunk, I, I know Eddie Trunk keeps saying that, but I, I really I couldn't tell. I mean, it seemed like they were singing into the mics. Uh, you know, it really did. I mean, I don't. I don't. I mean, it would only take you six, six seconds online to like bust them because people post their obvious, like the obvious errors when you know they're not in the mic and then he's still singing somehow. You know, I mean, it's yeah, not, but, it's not a rib. I mean, it's a fact that they're singing to tracks this tour. I mean, it's, it's not I mean, a debatable honestly, though, point. Honestly, though, I, I mean, I looked at the screen, I looked at, I heard the music, and I saw the list doing. It looked like it was in sync to me, but. You know, I know maybe some guitar parts or, you know, you know, whatever dubbed in or something. So, but know, nobody's saying know, it's a hundred percent lip syncing either. So, like, if they, if if they're, if it's sixty forty, let's say, and you look during the sixty, 
that's not lip sync, you're going to be like, oh, okay, they're not lip syncing. But 40% of yeah, that show is fake. Yeah, I don't think I don't think it's that high. I love Eddie Trump, but I, you know, there's, there's definitely some a, stuff between him and Kiss. No, and it's not, and this, this show and bit. it's not just a Kiss thing, and this isn't just an Eddie Trunk thing. I, look no, at, it's not. But I like Eddie Trunk, and I do listen to his show. Um, and he's been nice to me. He's been on this show a few times. But the bot, the thing that he says is absolutely right: is we can't accept this as rock fans. Like, what makes rock and roll great is that they really play. I went with my wife to Britney Spears. It's like the only pop show I've ever been to. She didn't sing one note. Uh, I, I went to a Britney show in Las Vegas like two or three years ago. But you're right, there wasn't a single note. <laughs> I still liked it though. I oh, I hated it. else to do that night, so I bought the ticket. I don't know why I did that, but I'm like, all right, why? nothing else to do here in Vegas. I think I was there for the award show for Bleacher Report. And uh, so I, I think I spent like 120 bucks, of course. Which, knowing me, I don't have no idea why I did that. But it's uh, a good show. I mean, everybody was just rocking no. their asses off in that place. But uh, no. yeah, I don't think she sang a single note in that show. Not, not one at the, the show I was at. She did no singing. Um, did you ever yeah. get to see Seeger? Did they ever reschedule that show and come back? No, did I never did. My, my wife did, though. Uh, okay. I don't know how my wife got tickets. She gets a lot of free tickets to shows. Well, I thought uh, you guys had tickets, and then they rescheduled it or whatever. Yeah. Well, he the first show was postponed, I guess, because of his back. Yeah. But uh, yeah, she went to the next one, and it was great, I guess. But uh, I never got to see it. She she went with us. I don't know. She went with a friend or something. Yeah, I mean that's uh, a guy that's over seventy, sings every note, kicks ass. I saw Bad Company with Paul Rogers this year. He's seventy, sings every note, kicks ass. I mean, I, that's just not a valid excuse, I don't think. Like, hey, we're 70, so we sing the tracks a little bit. You know, Motley Crue's another band that notoriously sang the tracks all the time. You know, just horrible. Yeah. Well, like I said, it wasn't the greatest show. Um, you know, Kiss. It, it, it's going to be time to finally fall into it. I mean, you know, I, don't get me started on this thing about how they think the, show, the band should go and live forever too. That oh, they're going to do that. Die, that yeah, gonna, for sure. They're going to have other characters. These are just going to be characters that are play forever. No freaking way. Am I? Yeah. Be- I mean, because, um, foreigners basically doing that now improving that model. Effective. I know. What yeah. a joke. What yeah. a joke. Yeah. Horrible. What a joke. You're not seeing foreigners. You're seeing the four other guys, a cover band playing foreigner. It's just the name only. It's, Bullshit. I, I actually got suckered into one of those games, too. Uh, I bought a ticket to see the Little River Band at the this little dive place in Denver, right? I like the Little River Band, some of their songs back in the 70s and 80s. Mm-hmm. And I thought, hey, it's cost 20 bucks or something. Let's, I'm going to do it. You know, I'm going to do it. And I find out that there's absolutely no original members. The lead singer, who's uh, the only, you know, really talented singer not not there. So I actually did not go to the show. I actually ate the ticket. So yeah, um, uh, you know, being on the music industry is a big scam anyway. So they got to do what they can to make a buck. And some of these older acts, you know, they're still they're out there kicking. But these, I mean, seventy five years old for like the Rolling Stones. It's like, oh my god, they play a hundred percent real though too. Up. That's another band that's hundred percent real. <laughs> I know, I know. 
Yeah. Well, it's still the top selling bands on the world, though. I don't see any uh, younger bands selling out anywhere. Oh, no, there's definitely younger bands selling out. Like, Ghost just sold out Madison Square Garden a few nights. Uh, There's definitely younger bands selling. You're just out of touch. You don't know anything about younger bands. Yeah, you're right. I don't know anything about it. Right, you're you're totally speculating. Yeah, let's move on to hockey. So, you got your own site now. You've officially officially burned every bridge in hockey. (laughs) 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 No, I'm just fucking around. So, you got your own site. You went, you went rogue, doing your own thing. Um, what's been, I know you haven't really got started yet per se, but like what's been positive, what's been negative? Like what's the, what have you learned so far in, in both directions? Well, I mean, there hasn't been that much negative to be honest. Uh, so um, it's mostly been positive. Which, yeah. You know, got to say, I've little little surprise at how well it's gonna you know, started on June thirteenth, I think. Uh it's called Colorado Hockey Now. It's part of a it's part of a network. We wanna the network consists of uh only three team sites right now, but we'd like to grow it more. Who is it? Pittsburgh uh, and Boston or Pittsburgh and Vancouver? Pittsburgh and Boston are the Boston. other two okay. uh, plans hopeful plans for more, but uh you know it's a process. You gotta go through the red tape of teams and getting credentials and a builder name. It's kind of a chicken and egg thing. You can't, you can't prove you can build an audience without, uh, without the credential and the, you know, right. bona fides to really build it. So, you know, any knucklehead can start a blog and claim some big, big traffic. But if you really want to do it right, you've got to be at the games. Um, so yeah, I started doing for the teeth. Uh, right away. I mean, like the, the, the subscription is, is Every every other minute, man, that was a new one. Uh, um, to date, you know, I've already eclipsed, eclipsed my goals. My one year goal for subscriptions, I've eclipsed in uh, three months. You know, it's past a hundred percent. Right, so, the season hasn't started maybe, yet. Well, no, I, I did. I did start at the draft, which uh, you know, it's a sales point, and also free agency is also a big sales day in hockey for online people. So. So it wasn't quite, you know, oh, you know, the season hadn't even started. There was a lot of interest in the ads for agency. That was a good time to start. I knew that. So, but yeah, um, yeah, the season has not started yet. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, um, I'm making a go of it. I mean, I'm not ready to quit. I still have a couple of freelance gigs that, you know, help pay some bills. Uh, so. I do those. Like uh, the betting stuff? Yeah. yeah, I'm a, I'm a gambling tout right now. You know, I mean, <laughs> it's the ultimate irony because I'm famous for being wrong on everything I pick. Shockingly, though, I had a really strong decision making picks for gambling.com. Uh, I probably hit on 65% of my picks this year. Well, you uh, nailed that time. Sabres article you wrote for them. You had some, I mean, you had really good points on that one, so. I gotta go. Oh, it. thanks. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I picked the Blues to beat the Bruins. Um, you know, it, it, it's uh, it went well there. So, uh, you know, I'm uh, I'm in the game. You know, I'm um, I'm finding out that it's uh, you know, I knew this already. I worked for a subscription site for two years before this. You're gonna have peaks and valleys uh, in subscriptions. You're gonna have great days, and you can have some not so great days. Uh, the key is going to be how it all averages out. 
Um, so far, I'm way ahead of averages and plans, but uh, who's to say I go absolutely dry after you know a couple more months or something and people just lose interest. I mean, it's up to me to keep site quality to do the best job I can do, possibly do. Um, and uh, that's what I aim to do. It's, uh, it's always been, you know, I mean, this has been my most of my adult working life. It's been covering the Colorado Avalanche, you know. I mean, I never dreamed anything this would be ever happen, but it's I'm still doing it, and then uh, you know, um, people are still paying me for it, and, and I'm grateful for it. And I'm just going to uh, pour my heart and soul into this thing, and if it fails, it fails. But I do think that it's going to be important to me, and I've already, I think it's already happened. Like, even if it fails, I will be able to look at myself in the mirror and say, you know, you gave it a go. You didn't sit back. You never, you did, you had to, you know, you, you took a chance, put your own shingle out there. To me, that was very important. I mean, I've worked for big conglomerates pretty much my whole life. Um, it was always great when other people were paying us, you know, uh, easy. But, uh, you know, I always did think that I wanted to maybe try to do with this something on my own, start my own business in a sense. And, uh, and, and I have, so, um, that's going to be important to me when I'm sitting in the rocking chair at 85 years old, if I make that long, you know, I did try, I worked, my, I tried to start my own business and that's a, uh, that's a good feeling. You know, it's a tough thing to do because it's scary, really scary. But uh, once you take that leap, it feels a lot better. Yes. I've definitely felt a lot different about myself in these three months since we started just a more feeling of, uh, I don't know, just a deeper, little deeper satisfaction about everything. I had this guy on before you talking wrestling. This is like a genius in the wrestling podcast world named Conrad Thompson. And one thing he did that was really smart was when they started to sell T-shirts, they didn't. They did this thing where if you bought a T-shirt, the star of the show, the wrestling talent that was on the show, would call you and say, "Hey, thanks for buying a T-shirt." It's kind of like making an experience. And I see you doing some of those similar things, like you write about your subscribers and subscribing to this is not only getting avalanche hockey news, but you're also kind of creating it as an experience and creating a community around it. And I think that that's been a really smart play so far. No, thanks. I, uh, I, I do, I do write about my subscribers. <laughs> if they want to send me anybody listening to this and subscribe to Colorado hockey now.com. Send me a, a life site, you know, a, a, give me a thumbnail bio of your life. Tell me what uh, what you're all about, what your life experience is in here. Don't write me a novel, but just send it to me in a page or something, and uh, you know, maybe tell a little bit why you like the avalanche. And I'm gonna sort of reassemble the words and write a a really like bio. I'm uh, gonna have my byline on it, and I'm gonna get a picture of you. I'm also gonna finish it up with five random questions to you, uh, and that's it. That's all it is. So uh, I have enjoyed doing that. I uh, I think I need to keep advertising to do that, though. I don't get so many submissions for that anymore. I, I think people forget about it. You, you know, that's another thing. I've always known this, too. You've got to always promote, promote, promote. You've always got to keep selling, selling, selling. Right. Um, and I know that from being in the business. But, you know, I don't have a $10 million ad budget like, you know, the Denver Post used to have or the Bleacher Report had. So uh, <laughs> you've got to be more creative. I thought this would be just a fun way to just get people involved in the site anyway. And uh, it doesn't take too much time for me. I like to write. So, you know, it's been fun. Uh, you know, a lot of sites try to 
promise, over promise a little bit in that you know, I, I didn't want to do that. You, you talk about experience and how I'm going to be interactive with the fans. Most writers who say they're going to be really interactive with the fans, it lasts about a month or so, and then they go back to their sort of shell a little bit. Uh, I've found that to be true of the customer of other writers who said they're going to be interactive. So uh, I don't want to overpromise things. I was a lot of people, a lot of writers say that you know I'm going to do a live chat with you all the time and stuff, and and uh, most live chats don't draw flies for for readers really. Um, so they kind of abandon that usually pretty quick. Or they can't read the questions fast enough. Maybe it's what Bill Simmons trying to do a live chat. There's 4,000 questions coming a second. You can't answer them all. So it's, uh, you know, just keep it consistent and good. And, and you know, for me, the accent is always going to be just on, uh, on quality analysis of the avalanche, uh, telling stories of the players about them as best I can, trying to take the reader a little bit more inside. Uh, what's going on? Uh, that to me always will have to be the sales uh, technique that will have to work best for me. Uh, the other stuff is kind of smoke and mirrors after a while, so uh, it has to be about the work first and foremost. Let me ask you a couple of things about the Avalanche that I'm really interested in. First of all, what the hell's going on with the TV? Yeah, well, it's the pissing match between billionaires. Uh, you know, I don't know, understand all the ins and outs of everything about, but uh, apparently the you know the regional cable TV business is uh, sports is changing a lot, and uh, you know um, the, the 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 situation here is that the three biggest cable companies in Denver, uh, Comcast, Directv, and Dish, which I think is like ninety nine percent of all the people who subscribe to cable in, in this city can get. Uh, the Avalanche had their contract expire this year with all three of them. And now all three of them uh, cannot come to terms with the Avs on a new deal. Apparently the Avalanche just want to keep the terms the same as they have been. But uh, Altitude, the Avalanche broadcast uh, you know, network name, is saying that they are uh, cable companies are demanding a 60% decrease in the in the uh, carriage fees that they receive, so um, a lot of accusations, even public, but on more behind the scenes about what they're trying to do. The altitude thinks that they're trying to drive them out of business. All three of them, that they're trying to do this as a power play to start their own regional sports network here in Denver and take over. You know, a lot of cities already have that. Uh, Comcast already has regional networks that right with like the Flyers and other you know other cities not Boston but uh, NBC Boston has something you know I can't understand it all honestly I can't understand the ins and outs of all these regional TV deals but uh, all I know is the Avalanche are not supposed to be on their altitude local TV channel tonight and uh, nobody in Denver is going to see it. <laughs> I'm really surprised, Agent. I'm really surprised that yeah. one of them. Doesn't make a deal just to leverage subscriptions versus the other two. Yeah, well, that's what uh, that's what I wrote. I said, "Gee, if I want to build some good fast new subscriptions, I stop DirecTV. I go, hey, Avalanche fans and Nuggets fans, this applies to the Nuggets too, and fans of the Rapids, major league soccer team. Uh, hey, come on over here. Right, we're broadcasting the games, you know." 
we're not going to charge you an arm and a leg. Screw Comcast, come over with us. But all three of them saying no. So that obviously brings up the, uh, you know, accusations. Not, I don't think it's been made publicly, but, you know, we're all thinking it. Many are saying it. Are they colluding together? Oh, the uh, three to try to drive the price guy. down. Yeah. Well, Altitude is their own separate network that doesn't, uh, not affiliated with uh, like the AT&Ts, the Comcast of the world. They only pay to have their broadcasts on TV, but they don't, they don't pay anything else. Like, and they, Altitude keeps all the advertising money. And Sam Crosby started his own channel here in Denver a few years ago called Altitude. So they are sort of on an island separate from most teams. Like they, most teams say, all right, here's uh, AT&T, you guys take care of our TV deal. Fox Sports, whatever, you guys take care of it. Right, the Sabres and, uh, are we'll through just, MSG. We'll just, so we'll just MSG. grant you the license. Right. Yeah, we'll just grant you the license and we'll take a cut. But Altitude tries to sort of control take uh, all the money that they derive from uh, from broadcast well I guess uh, I guess some of the poobahs at these big uh, cable companies don't like that so you know Altitude will tell you they're trying to be driven out of business uh, the cable companies will tell you that sports TV local, regional TV deals are, were always terrible to begin with that they were money losers for them and uh, that they, they they're going to you know, they're going back to what they're really worth now. So, I mean, look, two billion billionaire entities fighting. There's really no good guys in this thing, but, uh, you know, um, of course, the viewer is the one getting screwed here. I mean, the, uh, the Avalanche fan of Denver tonight who really wanted to see Bo Byron and Connor Timmons in their first preseason games will not be able to do it tonight unless they're having tickets to the Custody Center. <laughs> So it's uh, it's definitely a bad situation. I keep doing that there's not much stuff going on, if anything at all, and uh, I have no idea how this finishes out. No, I don't. I have a pretty good idea. Deadlines usually spur an action in these kind of things. When the regular season games start mm. to go, someone will cave and they'll figure out a way. I mean, that's what I think too, usually, but, uh, you know, the way you hear these, uh, the rhetoric is probably like, you know, there's there some bad blood here. Like, bad blood. So, yeah, there always is. They'll figure it out. You got Altitude threatening to go to Amazon now, maybe YouTube. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I have a hard enough time keeping up with what's going on the ice. It's hard for me to keep track of what's all going on. Well, with let's, TV stuff let's all move time. to that. What's up with Rattanen? Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, there's always a holdout, right? Uh, I mean... I thought things were on a good course for us two days ago. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Adrian, take your take your phone out of your mouth so we can understand you. You're like you sound like you have a Darth Vader helmet on. Oh sorry. Okay. Go ahead. I'm talking to a mic actually. Okay, the mic. Take the mic uh, out of your mouth. Okay. Okay. Um so random. I mean look, Marner's deal made them want more now. That's your bottom line. So, is Random worth what Marner's worth, or close to it? There's your there's your latest disagreement. Uh, and of course, he is. will from it. 
I mean, he's got more points the last few years than Marner. Yeah, of course he is. Uh, he's the but, same uh, thing. This, yeah, the I'm number like, two guy on the team, right? I mean, he's the he's the so. Jeff Skinner to Jack Eichel, or the Marner to um, Matthews, yeah. or the Drizdell to yeah. uh, you know to McDavid. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, it should be else. easy to get it done, right? I mean, that's the number. Figure out the term but, and uh, bang it out. The Avalanche don't want to have Toronto dictate their terms. You know, they're oh, they're a weird stop. organization. You know, they they just they they got a lot of pride about that. They're not they're not gonna just because Toronto overpays this. They will tell you this: just because Toronto overpaid for Marner doesn't mean we're going to have to overpay too. You know, it's so. not just Toronto though. Toronto is also playing to the market as well. Yeah, well, uh, look, I, I agree too. Sign the deal. You're not going to win. You know, everybody loses if this goes past the regular season. It's stupid to fight over a small change in in the end, but. And I saw this happen uh, six years ago with Ryan O'Reilly. I, mean, I thought this is ridiculous. I've got to meet in the middle. Something will get done. And I'm dragged on for half a season, and it would not have ended unless Calgary gave him a ridiculous offer sheet that broke that log jam. Otherwise, he was going to sit out the entire year. So I never uh, make any predictions anymore as far as, well, I guess I should say I, may, I do make predictions, but I'm never surprised when this stuff happens. I mean, it's just, it's always about the Bucks, kids. Just, just like Gordon Gecko said in what movie Wall Street. It's all about Bucks, kid. Speaking of kids, tell me about the young kids on D. Tell me about uh, Makar and his first training camp and uh, the stud. What was it? Fourth overall pick, third overall pick, whatever it was. Yep, fourth. Uh, Going to be a stud. Good player. A lot of skills. A lot of smarts. A lot of, lot of uh, talent. Um. Came into the playoffs last year and just uh, made an immediate impact for the Avalanche against Calgary. Uh, played well against San Jose too. It was probably their most. Uh, I mean, I would say he was probably the the, the number one D man when that series was was ending. I mean, the last couple of games. Um, so he's uh, he's on pace to have a great season. I mean, he's uh, he's a favorite to win the Calder Trophy. He's in the mix anyway. You know? Absolutely. So, yeah, he, he's so talented. Stud, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Do you like him? Have you got to meet him? Play. Oh yeah, he's a nice kid. Yeah, very, uh, you know, very, very good. You know, good manners. Uh, doesn't doesn't he's uh, not a wild, crazy guy that's for sure. But uh, nice, polite kid. Where's like he from? Somewhere in Canada, shoulder. right? Was he like Midwestern Canada? He's from uh, he's from Calgary. Calgary, Calgary. Okay. All right. Yeah. 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 So, and what about the draft pick got a this good year? One. Yeah, Bo Byram's still a young D-man. I mean, the Avs owned Ottawa's rights for the Right, and then pick, Chicago but, lost their mind, and this guy fell into your lap is what happened at the draft. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Kirby Doc was the guy Chicago took, and I'm sure he's going to be a good player, but eh. uh, uh, I, I do uh, – Boy, I think the Owls are pleased when uh, oh, yeah. Byram is there. So oh, they, they rushed that they card wanted, up. They would have taken. They would have taken a. Uh, you know, they would have taken Hughes or Cack Cack Owls. Well, uh, right, those are the top dudes. But you know, the draft started right. after those two were picked. Right. 
Some people thought they were going to take Doc, but Doc was a better pick. But I, I heard all along there was Byron if he was available, and that's that's sure enough what happened. So to me, but a smooth lefty D man who who can score. So um, you know he's uh, he's going to be good too, man. He may make the team out of camp. I mean, he's got a nine game tryout probably, and uh, right. I'll decide if he goes back to junior or not. But uh, what junior got, team has his rights? Got all the uh, Vancouver Giants, WHL. Okay. WHL. Interesting. Yeah, I I remember just, I was at the drive-in, took my daughter to the drive-in for Toy Story, and I'm like, yeah, I told Tammy, I'm like, yeah, it's fine, we can go, because I'll just put my headphones on, watch the draft on the iPad or whatever. And, you know, the first two picks, again, like, those were predetermined. You knew what those picks were going to be. And then I'm waiting for Chicago to pick, and I'm thinking about the Fs, I'm thinking about you. I'm more interested in the Avs just because of our friendship, and I'm just curious what's going to go on in your beat. And I'm thinking Chicago, you know, I'm thinking like, okay, you know, they have, they don't have any depth at defense. You know, they don't have Seabrook and Keith are getting to the end. They're on those horrible contracts. It just totally made sense they would pick them, and they didn't. Um, and I was that was the first shock of the draft for sure. And, uh, yeah, and I heard there was some. I heard there was a little bit of division at the Chicago table over that too. Between Stan and the coach, uh, uh, might be different people, but yeah, okay. there was a division between uh, who who uh, who they thought they should take. Who so. who has the final word there? Is that like who ultimately makes that call? Well, I think then? I think it's Stan. You think it's Stan? Stan yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I was yeah. gutted by the Sabres pick. I, I'm not happy about it at all. Um, I really wanted them to pick Colefield. This is a team who struggled to score goals for decades now, and you have the all-time leading goal scorer. You don't pick him because of the old, tired thing of, oh, small, give me a break. You know, nobody cares about that in reality. Like, you care about that. It's so fake. It's so dumb. You know what I mean? Like, Whatever. Uh, in, he's tearing it up in the Wisconsin preseason and stuff. He's, he's I I I am putting money on him to win the um, the Hobie Baker as a freshman or at least compete, and he'll be out of college after one year. He'll be he'll be a you know a playoff ad if I forget who drafted him. The Kings, I think maybe if they make the playoffs, whoever it was that drafted him, I can't remember. Someone, yeah, he slipped a bit. Maybe the Canadians actually. Cole, Cole Caulfield, yeah, he was yeah. Canadians. Canadians, yeah, yeah. Caulfield, yeah. Man, yeah, what a... you're thinking of you're thinking of Turcotte who got taken by the Kings. Right, Turcotte was another uh, guy who slipped a little bit. The two U.S. development. Yeah, I think kids. he went. I think he went fifth, right? Fifth. Um, yeah, but he was another guy that was well, rumored big time for Chicago. Um, yeah, I know because he's from there. He's which, from there. It's yeah. usually a bad rationale for players. Teams don't care where you come from. Right, I, mean, I agree. It, it seems like the media always buys into that. Always from there it makes sense. No, teams don't care. And that can go bad. I mean, uh, Patrick Kane has not had a good life in Buffalo since he's been a pro. Now, he hasn't been a Sabre. <laughs> he hasn't been a Sabre, but either way, like, he doesn't come around here anymore because this is just a toxic space for him because he's such a target. You know what I mean? He's just such yeah. a target. Don't you, think, don't you think Kane will finish up as a Sabre, like 38-year-old Patrick Kane? Oh, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I have no idea. Yeah. I would think he'd just yeah, figure up as a black, finish up as a Blackhawk. I don't know. Such a superstar well, that I don't know why. Like, I think he gets treated like he's like an Elway type, you know? 
think he's at that he's level. A, it's a great one. He's probably a Hall of Famer now, for sure. Well, I think he's the greatest U.S. hockey player to ever Maybe play. Greatest American yeah. ever, probably, yeah. I mean, there's definitely a case for that, for sure. Um, what do you? What's the expectation for the Avalanche? Is the expectation well, to build you know, on last year? I mean, what's? Well, I mean, of course. I mean, you know, I mean, yeah, you know, they all think that. I, it's such a tough league, though. You know, there's, gosh, I mean, uh, you can miss the playoffs by two points and still be just about as good as the Stanley Cup winner. Right. Um, it's it's a tough, tough, tough league. Tough, tough. It's tough division. That's why I you mean, just got to uh, get in and then play the tournament. You know what I mean? I know. Just, just get in the get tournament. In. I know. I know. Uh, I mean, we would have you know, thought. They, they, have a, no, I mean, yeah. I'm just going to say that we would have thought there's no way Tampa Bay could lose, and they lost in the tournament in the first round. Yeah. And they got swept. The yeah. top four teams got beat in the yep. first round by the bottom four teams. Never happened before. Yeah, all four wildcard teams uh, won. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, um, they should be better, but. You know, uh, it's just so hard to win. I mean, they've got a really tough schedule to start the season, too. They've got, uh, you know, got Calgary, who, you know, uh, won the West last year, well, regular season West. Uh, they go on the road for four games, like six-game trip pretty early in the season. Uh, Pittsburgh, Washington, then they go down to the Florida teams. Then they go to the St. Louis, play the Cup champs. Then they go to Vegas, who should have won, probably won the West last year. And uh, so that's six of their early games uh, all on the road. You know, you get off to a bad start in this league. It's tough. You know, so yeah, I guess unless you're St. Louis, right? I mean, you could be die last in January. Yeah, I know. But yeah, I know. Or well, you could be the Sabers and be every single game. They did. You could be the uh, Sabres be first overall in the league in no, middle of November and then miss the playoffs by yeah. 61 points. Um, uh, I don't know. What else with this league? How many assists for McDavid this year? 191. Oh God, I mean, I think he's already got 33, right? Yeah, well, he starts with, yeah, he starts, he's got 30 already. Because what they do is they triple him, his uh, preseason amount. Do you see him last night limping? No, he was limping. Oh, yep, no. he uh he got taken down in front of the net or something, uh and uh he started, he, he was he couldn't he fell basically trying to skate, then he flexed his knee going to the bench, so oh. I haven't read the latest Edmonton. Haven't read the Edmonton favors, but uh I'm sure that wasn't very good. Uh, oh, uh you know, the good news is he did get three assists on that, so Right, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. That's huge for him. So, you think this? Do you yeah, hear anything kinda, about this World Cup? Do you know anything about that? Is that going to happen in twenty twenty one? God, you know, I really don't know. That's usually something I just care nothing about. So I, I apologize. I don't know much. No, about that's it. all right. I uh, just I didn't know because what was it yesterday or today? I think actually that we we got three years of guaranteed labor peace. Right for the first yeah, time, Batman yeah, has avoided good. a lockout. <laughs> I know. That's uh, great. That was. Certainly celebrated by a lot of a lot of hockey people yesterday. I um, wonder what the deal was. Like, I wonder what they gave the players to because it was the players who had the chance to opt out, right? Right, right. So I wonder what you they what they what, what they the wink wink the, what they promised them yeah what they promised them for the future yeah. yeah. I wonder. I don't what, know, but it's probably going to be something to do with that, bro. Uh, that's right. the number that's one the big sticking thing for point. Them. Yep. Yeah, I mean they've got to figure out a way to 
grow revenues without taking it out of the players' pockets. I mean, I think the players think they've done all they can do to sell the game as far as the play goes these last few years. And everybody agrees that it's a, a, a better product to watch in general. You will hear arguments from the fighting fans, of course, and the people who like hockey a little bit rougher. But I think in general, the average fan thinks that the game is more fun to watch. So they say, hey, look, we're, we're doing our part, but let's, you know, why didn't revenues grow as, as well as they should have? Well, there's a lot of reasons the NHL will give you for that. But, um, you know, the cap keeps growing every year, though, and that, that's really the biggest reason why the players extended it, you know. Right. Uh, the cap just keeps going up and up. The average player is making more and more. Granted, it's becoming more of a 1% league where the top makes all the money and the bottom doesn't. But, uh, yeah, welcome to, welcome, to, welcome to life in America, too, right? Yeah. And, you know, good for the stars, I guess. I mean, it's hard to be a star in a pro sports league. Yeah, I know. I agree. I mean, bottom guys are making pretty good change, too. You know, there's always going to be bickering about money. But uh, the fact is, players, I mean, you know, the salary cap in 2005, when it came out of the lockout, was $39 million. Now it's 80, $82 million or whatever. I mean, it's phenomenal. It's double the growth. The Broncos are a disgrace, and I bring that up because John Elway runs them similar to the way that Sackick runs the Avs. Sackick's been a bit of a success, and Elway, who does have a Super Bowl, we have to give him that, but that just seems like it's just a disaster with the wheels. What's the buzz around the city with the Broncos? Are you hearing anything? I mean, it's it seems to get lower and lower every year. I mean, you never know it from the radio stations. and never just Bronco talk. One hundred percent of the time, but uh, you know the crowds keep getting a little smaller. More no shows every every game. Uh, it's going to continue, I think, with this team. Does not look very good. Joe Flacco, uh, no, just a veteran cast off. Is just yeah, it's a bad scene here. Uh, the Broncos are definitely uh, <clears throat> always have the most interest numbers wise, but uh, you know the Avalanche has shown when they get hot, they're a cup team or contender their, their numbers can be just as good as any other team if not better in town so um drew you know, lock hey. is hurt right they can't go he's hurt right now yeah 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 he's he's hurt uh you know the big criticism i heard today was about vaughn miller how he hasn't even gotten close to a quarterback in the first two games and you know they, where's where's vaughn you know that's that's a big part of the buzz here but you know i think Bronco fans kind of realize that you know we kind of suck and and have to deal with it for a while. Well, it feels like the city's up for grabs. I mean, the Broncos suck. It was a terrible year for the uh, for the um, Rockies. Yep. So step in, Abs, and and take the take the city back, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. And the Nuggets too. Are, uh, you know, Nuggets always choke in the playoffs, but um, you know, are they still, a, are they a good NBA team? I mean, I don't know. There's like three teams that are good in the NBA, right? Yeah, I mean, they led the West for a lot last year. Um, until Golden State just outdid him at the end. But, uh, you know, they've got Nikola Jokic, who, I mean, I laugh when people like to bring up, even even mention the name Larry Bird with him. I'll just laugh oh, out stop. loud. Yeah, but, oh, stop. Uh, yeah. You know, it, 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 he's, he's a big guy who can run the floor and pass and shoot. So, uh, But, uh, you know, the Nuggets always find a way to lose in one of the earlier rounds, it seems like, and uh, it was the same way last year. Um, 
they did squeak out a victory in the first round against Portland, but uh, that was a struggle, believe me. Uh, you know, I don't care that much anyway. I'm not an NBA fan that much anymore, so uh, whatever the Nuggets do is fine. I hope they win the title. It won't really matter to me. All right, Dater, let's lay out all the plugs. What do you got? Tough. Not much. No, oh, come on. Pump the site. Give, give all the information. Okay, Colorado let's... Hockey Now. We've got a $5 off sale, everybody. You want your Colorado Avalanche coverage? This is the place. Uh, 24-7 coverage. Going to be on the road a lot, too. Won't just be me sitting at home watching TV. I'll be on the road. Standing um, crackdowns. Airbnb crackdowns across the nation. <laughs> yeah, i got some Airbnbs. Uh, I got an Avalanche travel tip jar, too, which has been better, more successful than people might think. Uh, I have a tip jar. If you want to contribute any money to the tip jar, uh, I'm going to fun Avalanche travel. When I, and uh, so 95 cents close to that, 5 cents is going to go back to the Fulton Seed Bank, the town I live in. Uh, they made a nice, like, you know, $75 donation uh, about a month or two ago for them. That always felt good. So, uh, you know, it's uh, it's not going to go to me um, right, buying. Right, travel. Uh, travel and food. Know. Yeah, it's, it's going to be for travel, exactly. I mean, right. that's, that's, that's why most people don't go, you know, make a big run of it. It's, it's expensive to travel, but, uh, you know, figure out a way. I mean, it's, uh, it's not that, but it's not too tough. And that, I mean, I, 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 mean, I give it at the end of every yeah. show anyway, but it's at a data on Twitter. I'm sure you can get more information there. Um, like you said, he's doing a sale. Subscribe. This is my main man out there. Give him some reads. He's the top avalanche guy in the world. I mean, no one knows avalanche hockey like him. Um, uh, you flatter me too much, man, but thanks. All right, buddy. I got a jet. I will uh, speak with you soon. Okay, man. It's great. Come on. I want to thank Adrian Dater for being on the podcast today. Don't forget you can find this podcast and all of our podcasts on our SoundCloud page, soundcloud.com slash sports-casters. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher or wherever podcasts are caught by podcatchers. If you would like to listen somewhere and we're not there, email me, thesportscasters at gmail.com, and I'll try to rectify the situation. For more information about the Sportscasters, you can definitely find us on Twitter at sports underscore casters. Don't forget about greetings from Allentown with my good friend Peter Winson. He's at GF Allentown Pod on Twitter. He did a new episode last week on the Calgary territory and the hearts, and I really enjoyed it despite his hero worship of the Canadian, uh, which I did not enjoy. But I love Peter and our Adams Division podcast side project recently posted part two of our Greatest Sports Teams Ever podcast, and we are going to be recording a Top 10 1994 podcast uh, for Place to Be Nation. Uh, Place to Be Nation, they're on Twitter, at Place Number 2 Be Nation. Uh, Their website is placetobenation.com. Check them out. They got an 80s music tournament going on right now, uh, which I hate the results of. Uh, Also, I'm going to be on their flagship show on September 30th. 
Uh, so a couple of Mondays from now, I'll be doing that with uh, Justin and uh, his partner, Scott. And they run our Adams Division podcast on their feed, their wrestling feed as well. I wanted to give a special shout out this week uh, to the Keep It Keep It To Yourself podcast. Uh, they were nice enough to give the sportscasters a shout out. Uh, it's at keep underscore podcast on Twitter. Uh, Saratoga, New York uh, is where this is out of. I listened to a little bit of the podcast. Seems like a great show, and they were nice enough uh, to give us a second, and I appreciate uh, appreciated that a lot. So thank you to the Keep It To Yourself podcast. Uh, also, we just had Adrian on. Don't forget to check him out at Adater on Twitter and at Kyle Hawking now. All right, with that said, uh, we will talk for a minute about the tragedy uh, that is the Drew Brees interview. This is one last thing. Um, you know, it's funny uh, when Brees didn't come back into the game after injuring his hand the other day, I sat down on the couch and I said to Tammy, I can already see a million miles away what's going to happen here. He's going to not come back in this game. Schefter's going to tweet tonight that he broke his thumb and needs surgery and he's going to be out six weeks. And that's basically what happened. Um, Let's say he misses six weeks. That would be three home games. Uh, He's never missed a Saints home game before due to injury. He's been on the team since 2006. So that means one of the three... Saints home games he's going to miss in 13 years is one I'm going to be at. I very excitedly talked about how excited I was to go to the Saints game. This takes a little steam out of it. And honestly, if I would have bought the insurance for the trip, I probably would cancel it. Kind of the whole point was to go to the Dome and to see Drew Brees playing the Dome one more time in the Saints uniform. And obviously that's going to not going to happen now and that's devastating here's the thing and i'm at a crossroads in my life as a, a football fan the thing is is that the saints are a part of my identity right people who know me they know me as like a pearl jam fan or a saints fan that's kind of like what comes to mind about me that's my identity but i think i want to move away from that and i, I want to maybe be known as a dad and a husband like maybe that's more important to me now but the thing is, is that the Saints are in my gut. They're, you know, almost every other sports team that I watch, with maybe the exception of the Sabres sometimes, you know they lose and I'm pissed off for five minutes. I shut off the TV and I go to bed. But the Saints, it like affects my way of life. It affects, I don't sleep. I toss and turn. I feel emotions that I don't feel for very few other things in life. You know, I've been a fan of this team since 1987, and I'm very critical of myself about this. I say to myself, you're 39 years old. You have a house, a wife, a daughter. Grow up. It's just football. Get a life. Get over it. But I can't. I'm being honest that I can't, that it hurts, that it broke me on Sunday when Drew Brees got hurt. Okay, Drew Brees, as I've said many times on this show, he's made all my dreams as a sports fan come true. 
And I wanted to be there in the building to stand up and to cheer for him one last time. And I'm not going to get that opportunity. Now, I'm lucky. I've seen Breeze several times in the Saints uniform. I've seen his first ever game as a Saint. How awesome is that? In Cleveland in 2006. I've seen him during the Super Bowl season in Buffalo. You know, I've seen him in Buffalo a couple years ago with my brother. I've seen him twice in Cleveland total. Twice in Pittsburgh. You know, I've been very blessed as someone who lives in Buffalo uh, to see Drew Brees as a Saint plenty of times. Um, it's a bummer to not be able to see him in a couple of weeks in New Orleans. I wish I could have that opportunity. But, you know, I wait, you waited all summer and people would come up to me and they'd say, like, are you ready for a football to start? And I would say, no, I'm not ready because I'm not over last season. And when I was watching the game on Monday night a couple of weeks ago, I just remember thinking it felt like there was a black cloud over this team, that they just something bad was going to always happen to them. And Drew Brees was able to overcome that on Monday Night Football, right, and put us in position and to win that game. But it seems like everything else that's happened to this team so far in this season has supported my hypothesis that this team, there's just a black cloud. And I kind of feel like the window of the Sean Payton and Drew Brees St. Super Bowl teams uh, closed when that flag didn't land on the field against the Rams last year. It's so hard to get to that point. Uh, and I don't know that they can get back. And maybe if he's out six weeks, maybe they can go three and three. They're four and four. There's eight games left. Brees can go six and two. And they go ten and six. And they win the division. And they make the playoffs. And maybe they win a playoff game. And then they have to go on the road to L.A. And maybe L.A. stomps them. I don't know how the season's going to play out. So I don't know how much time Brees is going to miss. I can tell you I have very little faith in Teddy Bridgewater. I hope he proves me wrong. I hear Sean Payton say all the time that Tyson Hill is like the second coming of Steve Young. Well, if he is, he should be playing because Teddy Bridgewater isn't even the second coming of Aaron Brooks. So I don't have a lot of faith in that. There's a lot of talent on the team. I mean, it wasn't Drew Brees and 21 other nitwits starting. There's great players. It's a great offensive line. You know, Alvin Kamara, Mike Thomas, Cam Jordan, Marcus Davenport's off to a great start. I'm a little concerned about Lattimore in the secondary, but it's still a team that can win some games without Drew Brees. They can't win the Super Bowl without him. But as the Giants and other teams have proved before, just get in the tournament. If they can get in in the tournament, they have a chance to win. But I'm just a broken guy. When I watch these games, I just expect the whistle to blow when Cam Jordan scoops and scores. I just expect them to screw that up and to blow that dead. I know it's going to happen. And did I cry a little bit about the Drew Brees injury? Yeah, I think I did. I didn't weep. There wasn't like tears running down my face. But I was broken. I was really broken about it. And it's pathetic. I hate it. It's my most hated thing about me as a human being is how much this team is in my gut and how despite being a 39 year old man with a daughter that I love and a wife that I love and a house that we built that I can't not be broken when bad things happen to this stupid football team I hate it I hate it about myself but I don't know how to change it 
I don't know if you can change it. It's been this way since I was seven years old. I've loved this team. Get better soon, Drew. Get better soon. Yeah.